What You've Been Watching podcast. I am your host, the marvelous Mike Dudley, joined as always by my co-host, cohort, and younger brother, MD3 Marcus Dudley, checking in on you. How are y'all out there in podcast land? We are broadcasting live from the What You've Been Watching studios in the shadows of Doe Campbell Stadium, live in Tallahassee, Florida. Hope y'all are doing well out there. Million dollar question. How are you, my friend? I am so good, man. Life is uh, pretty good for old Mike Dudley at this point, so we're doing all right. Well, that's good, man. That's good. Any? Uh, can you? Uh, it can't last. It's not going to last. I it's know. all going to crumble. Oh fuck! Get back to the movies, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. They don't fail you. Careful, Icarus. Careful, Icarus. <laughs> oh man. So before we do anything, we want to check in uh, with some things. We want to go ahead and plug. Whatcha been watching podcast at gmail.com? At gmail.com. I almost said dot com at gmail. Yeah, it didn't make sense. Anyways, whatcha been watching podcast at gmail.com or facebook.com. Where can they find us there, Michael? Facebook.com slash Dudley Bros Podcast or just search for whatcha been watching. Look for the wonderful, wonderful, colorful banner by the great MKD Art, the Middle Duds. Also want to give a big shout out to Kesta, as always, for the wonderful intro music, which we left out in finding. Always bright. You ever see him? Give him some spins. Give him a shout out. So, housekeeping's done. Anything else been going on, man? No, man. No, no. Just been trying my best to uh, upkeep and, and stay diligent in my movie watching because, you know, got to give the fans what they deserve. The things what they know. Nary require yeah, and they're require absolutely um, um before we get into that i'm gonna do a little bit of housekeeping on myself because michael is too rude to ask me <laughs> we're not gonna ask the million dollar question yet we know that's what you tuned in for don't worry about that we have not forgotten come on this is this is this is foreplay this is this is us easing into it well, this is me buying you a dinner first uh, <laughs> now man i um i have been so busy dude i went up to philadelphia for a trip as i spoke about it on the podcast before and those goddamn Eagles lost their first game, <laughs> my first professional f- football game that I've ever been to, and they fucking lost. Now, I'm not delusional. I never said that the Eagles were going to go undefeated. You can check the tapes. I said it, but it wasn't on air. <laughs> but, no, I'm not that delusional. But it just had to be fucking unfortunate. That's the one time that I go up there against a sorry-ass Washington, whatever they're called now. And like, God damn it! <laughs> this is just why, my luck. This is why we can't have nice things, Marcus. Exactly. This, this, is, like, this is why my expectations nice and low. That's right. That's right. Fly too close to the sun. That's right. Kept telling, like, so we went. I had a wonderful time. Though I had a great time at Lincoln Financial Field, the same field where champions play. No, I did not try to step on my foot on there. Um, but uh, the atmosphere there was incredible, man. Uh, it was very Philly. People getting booed a lot, your own <laughs> players. You know, when they came out flat, it, it was what it was. But um, they lost the game. Uh, it was my first NFL game I ever went to, as I as I stated. And I was telling Angie, who was kind enough to take me there, I'm like, they lost because I'm here. <laughs> and she's like, no, honey, no. She's not. like, I'm going to tell you something that I tell every male in my life. You are not that important. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, and the world does not revolve around you. But it's because I didn't have my lucky jersey on. It was something. I, I was... The one that broke, you know what I mean? The control of it. Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Somehow was, you were the linchpin that set the, the variable. That, yeah, the, yeah, the variable. So it was me. I'm sorry to the great fans of Philadelphia Eagles. I won't harp on it too much. But I've been very, very busy. Uh, we took a little mini vacation up there. Did some really cool things. Saw the great city. If you haven't been, I recommend going. Good, good eating place. Went to a reading terminal or reading terminal, however you say it. The terminal market there. All kinds of good grub. 
had many uh, a cheese steaks. I'm starting to went to a Wawa and crashed some hoagies. Some hoagies. <laughs> we did walk by this guy. He was an electrician or whatever. And he did have the most Philadelphia accent I've ever heard in my life. And I just sat there and listened to him. <laughs> I don't want to impersonate it because I'd be doing him an injustice. But it was really fucking funny. Um, but yeah, man, it was it was really cool, though. Um, the reason I brought up the sporting events before, I know I'm not going to make the sporting podcast. You're not going to hear my hot takes ever on <laughs> what the, the defense needs to be running and all, fuck all that. There's plenty of those. Um, but it has it is what I've been watching, but I still not million dollar question yet. Um, the reason I bring it up is because I realized after that, every sporting event that I've been to dating back to the previous year of Florida State football, they fucking lost. <laughs> this goes back to when Florida State lost to Jacksonville State, mm-hmm. a, a Division II team. Right. Like, that was the first time ever in our history. And I, for whatever reason, was like, I'll break the luck. And I just kept going to games. <laughs> we just kept losing one because we were bad. And then I went to two of the three games that we lost this season. I go up to Philadelphia. I'm like, cool, we got an afternoon to kill. We got cheap tickets. I'm going to go to a Flyers game. They get blown out. <laughs> Five to one. Go to the Eagles game. They fucking lose. I'm like, I got to stop going to sporting events. You know, you know why this is, right? Because I went. <laughs> exactly. Because God hates you. Yeah. It's you specifically, Marcus. I, I, want, I want to reiterate this. I've it's... been saying that. <laughs> Like, so you were at the at the Flyers game, right? Yes, and so somebody made a wonderful appearance. I was just going to ask you: Did you get a chance to meet the the illustrious, legendary Gritty? Gritty was there. He actually came into our section, nice, and, and brought brought the thunder, brought the heat. What was it like to be that close, like face to face with greatness? You know, it's something I realize in the moment that I'll never attain. It's a very humbling experience when you look at somebody and you just see somebody that's got the fake animal mascot right. name on right. lock. It's right. so heavy. It's like crying in front of the Pieta or like yep. weeping at the at the overture of the of, of Beethoven or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And you realize like, you will never, ever yeah. stand close to that. <laughs> and you shouldn't be. Because I'm too low class for this anyway. <laughs> But no, Greedy was the man that it was such a blowout that he's, his job is to go up there and keep the fans into it. Yeah. And he's really good at it. Sure. He was pitting our section against another section of, you share, you share, just doing mascot shit. Our section won because of me. <laughs> you but, couldn't bring that luck to the Flyers themselves, yeah, but no, at least your section yeah. benefited. Yeah. It's weird. I don't even like fuck with hockey like that. But if you ever get an opportunity to go to a live, like, hockey game, they're a blast, dude. Please do. We used to have a... Uh, uh, a small, I don't know what division it was. Like triple A team. Triple A team, whatever it was. Division two, whatever it was. A smaller, semi-professional hockey team here in Tallahassee. Shout out to the Tiger Sharks. The Tallahassee Tiger Sharks. And we, as children, went all the time. And it was the place to be here in Tallahassee. Well, yeah, I mean, the reason, I mean, the tickets were cheap. You you know, it was like 10 bucks a head. And then, like, you know, children under six get in free. So, all of a sudden, you and Matthew got real young. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but man, shout out to Tallahassee back in the day. We used to pack that fucking place. Oh, man. yeah. The TLC double C, baby. Hell yeah. Pack it for them, man. They were celebrities all over town, the Tallahassee Tiger Sharks. Um, so I went to the Tiger Sharks game, and that was obviously a semi-pro team. And I've been to a ton of Florida State games, right. and that was, you know, obviously a college team. When you realize the speed of the game at the NFL level, it was like, Holy shit, man. Like, it, there's such a difference in the two. Like, the speed of a hockey game, like in the NHL, is crazy compared oh, to yeah. what I used to watch. Oh, yeah. And then, like, going to an NFL game, like, usually when I'm watching a football game and it's at the collegiate level, though, I can kind of play along with the quarterback and watch the play kind of unfold and be like, oh, 
your dude's open there, or oh, this is what's going to happen. You see, I can start to see things develop. Well, but you also have the benefit of bird's eye view and seeing everything on the field, like as yeah, to, like you're just your field of vision, you know. Yeah, absolutely. But like in a pro game, like I'm not used to it. Like the way that they shoot it on TV, it's like they kind of keep you up with the action. I wasn't used to it yet, and I'm yeah. a pretty knowledgeable football guy. But it was something. It was I was really impressed. I was like, oh, this is the best of the best. Take every <laughs> literally take every the best college players all over the nation, give them four years to develop, and then go throw them in the league. And yeah, they're going to be faster, stronger. It's like, oh yeah, this is, <laughs> doesn't translate on TV as well. So it was really interesting. So um, I did want to get that out there. Um, but I had a great time in Philly. The only thing that sucked though, man, um, it wasn't. It ended up not being that bad, but I got yoked around by American Airlines a little bit. Yay. We, um, we were leaving Philadelphia, and it was Philadelphia to D.C., D.C. to Tallahassee. And um, we go to get off the runway in Philly, and they kept us there for like an hour and a half, like an hour and 20 minutes. And like the whole time, we're like, all right, what the hell's going on? And we were close enough to the front where you could hear the crew people talking to the captain. Apparently, it was over some wheelchair. Somebody didn't have a fucking wheelchair, and they didn't have the headsets to go get it. So they delayed the entire plane. And so we missed our connecting flight, and I sprint full clip when we land. Like, I sprint all the way across um, Reagan Airport in D.C. to go to the... The plane's sitting there on the tarmac still, and they were supposed to radio ahead and be like, hey, please hold the plane. Right, 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 right. Nobody did it. None yeah. of that shit. Of course. There's four people that are supposed to be working the gate just standing there having that look like, what do you want? I'm on my break. <laughs> and you're like, hey, did they tell you da 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 that the plane was delayed? And yep. they're like, uh, the, the plane's closed, sir. I'm like, yeah, no shit. Can't. Like, I, I'm looking at the plane. Can you open the door? <laughs> the door closes 10 minutes before taking. like, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. Like, okay, so you need to talk to this person. And there was five of us that were apparently going to Tallahassee. But then some older dude caught up to me, and he just went off, and I just loved every second of it. <laughs> so he was just like, oh, sir, it was the weather. And he's like, it's not the fucking weather. It was the fact that you can't find a fucking wheelchair. And nobody made an executive decision because this person, he wasn't mad at the person for needing a wheelchair. No, I'm no. of that. But at some point, somebody needs to make an executive decision. I'm like, we're holding well, and also, 60 other people hostage. Yeah, this also, don't tell me it's weather when we all know what the story is. Yeah. Like, if I'm telling you, like, hey, man, I I know the truth, and you don't have to give me the bullshit. Just, just own up to it. Be like, yeah, we kind of screwed the pooch on that one. Our bad. You know, like, it's ownership on their part. Like, just some sort of acknowledgement of their their mistake and that's all you want is just somebody to be like hey my bad yeah absolutely so i I go to the the uh like the customer service for american airlines and ultimately they're they're like well we can get you to this city i realize now what it was the shout out to uh florida state women's soccer we're hosting a regional so because they're such badasses they have a number one uh uh seed in the tournament so they're hosting all the games all the soccer games so Apparently, everyone, we, they could strand us in another city. They're like, oh, we can fly to Atlanta, but there's no flights leaving to Atlanta until tomorrow anyway. So, it's like, <laughs> that doesn't help. Right. They're like, what about Fort Walton Beach? I'm like, our car is in Tallahassee. It's, so, it doesn't do us any good. They go, oh, we have a plane leaving at the same time tomorrow. I'm like, all right, fuck it. I guess we're staying in D.C. then. Right. Which, they gave us a coupon to the sh- a super shitty hotel. Of course. And they gave us two vouchers, Angie and I, each, for $12 worth of food. At the airport. And that was it. And a, a So I got to eat at the airport. $12 for a full 24 Can't even hours. go out to Applebee's. Can't go out to, you know, 
Walmart and get, you know, pick up some fried chicken sandwiches or something like that. Yeah, they fucking suck. So that's one person, and I do this sometimes when I'm like, sir, the guy at the, the customer service kind of like, sir, I'm not going to yell at you because I know you're here just to do a job, but please do not take my calm demeanor right now for anything less than the fact that I'm absolutely furious. Right, like, right. The reason we are late is because of your own airline's inadequacies. Right. And the fact that maybe I didn't pay as many taxes, but it's just the fact that, like, didn't we bail you fucking guys out <laughs> like, years ago? And, like, right. you failed because of your own incompetence. You get billions of dollars, and you're like, yeah, we still suck. Sorry about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's no other options. Right, Sorry. right, right. What's your other option? Sorry those teleporters haven't worked yeah, out yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, fuck you. Like, didn't we bail you out, you fucking goons? Yeah. So. I, yeah, same way. I hate it, but I, I, to be honest, just to bring it back to to movies and whatnot, yeah. I kind of feel the same way about you know cinemas, like the, the fact that they were overcharging and 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 running, you know, just putting out the same shit and just and just charging for everything for for minimal experience, you know, like just putting as many asses into seats, not improving the actual seats you're sitting in, and then COVID comes along and it's like save us, and it's like no. You know, like some Rorschach shit, you know, yeah. like, no, like, no, you did it to yourself. Like streaming services came along and kind of proved that, oh, I don't really need you. I can sort of watch movies on my own time and at my own pace. And I don't have to spend 30 goddamn dollars on a date just to go see the latest Jeez, shitty movie. $30. It's just a $22.50 a piece to go to. The- well, if you think I'm not having that broad sneaking around snacks, <laughs> you are mistaken, sir. I'll say the ticket price alone is $22.50. Yeah. But now, Michael, I will say this, only speaks for half of what you've been watching. <laughs> I think I'm an anomaly. I love the theater going experience. I do, too. I know you I know you do, too. But I think um, John Q. Public or whatever looks at the theaters now and they're like, not fucking good. That's why everyone's like, we'll just put it on streaming in two weeks. Like, it is what it is, man. So I mean, like, I, I do love a good theater experience. But, you know, like, there, there comes a certain point to where, you know, you're stuffing me in next to, like, a whole class of sixth graders and they're talking and like nobody's doing anything about it. The picture's out of focus. Like your popcorn is 68 goddamn dollars. And you know, you sound like granddad in the boondock. I do. I do. But so you have to put butter on your own popcorn. I bet you put a goddamn popcorn. Exactly. You Why put should I butter. have to put the, exactly. You yes. put the butter on my yes. popcorn. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways. Oh man. So million dollar question. Doggy style. <laughs> Speaking of theater, but no, I did get a cool day in um, D.C. and up hitting a couple museums. It was nice, but still, it was like more money to spend on food. It's like fuck, man. Like, yeah, you fucking got me again. But whatever. So, um, anyways, million dollar question, my brother. The reason everybody tunes in. Thank y'all for riding with me. That all didn't apply to what we were about to talk to. That's why I wanted to get it out the way up first. Without further ado, M. Duds, what the hell you been watching? My good man, I saw. The John Waters classic Crybaby the other day. The Johnny Depp vehicle of musical. And Ricky Lake and Iggy Pop. and Ricky uh, Lake isn't that. She is. She's very, very pregnant in that movie. And pops out a kid in the backseat of a drag racing car. It's pretty dope. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, what you think about it? I... I haven't seen that movie in a very long time. It's good. I mean, it's it's solid John Waters camp. It's it's definitely... um, I, I hate to say on the tamer side, but as as far as you know, for John Waters, it's it's on the tamer side. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, it's 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 just fun camp. It's a rockabilly musical. Johnny Depp singing his heart out. You know, they have the 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 crooner and, and swing dance numbers, and it's it's you know really really good choreography as far as that goes. But yeah, it's 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 like Grease, but for teenagers that actually fuck. <laughs> 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 That's the best review you could give. <laughs> I is I am gonna say though it's uh it is I think another instance like we were talking about where imitation is the best form of flattery. Yeah, I think it is a little bit of a send up and it's kind of making fun of some of that stuff. Oh, for sure. But he also again to do that properly to make fun of it, you have to have some reverence for the subject material. Yeah, but it's grease for teenagers who fuck is the best description. <laughs> ever. It is a broke man's grease though. Yeah. Right. Um, no, I have not seen Crybaby in a long time. Um, I, for those who don't know, I know I talk about a lot, other, a lot of other actors on here and actresses. I think they're all just actors now. I'm not trying to respect. I don't know. Um, I was a huge, 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 they call them stands now, but I was a giant Johnny Depp fan for a very long time. Yeah. I always kind of liked the guy. Blow is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. I brought it up on this several times. Um there was a day I met a good shots friend, uh, Bidor, good family friend of ours. Um, we went to Blockbuster and we rented two movies, and they happened to be Blow and Donnie Brasco. And I watched them both in the Life same. changing. I was like, I didn't know Johnny Depp did that. I knew it was Edward Scissor's hands and shit. Like, and I was like, this fucking guy's incredible. And so and then, like, a little bit later, Pirates of the Caribbean came out, and I kind of just stayed with them through that time and then, like, went back and checked his whole catalog. So. I have owned some super deep cut Johnny Depp movies, <laughs> like a piece of edit for a split second. At one point, I owned that movie. Yeah. I was, uh, I think he's an incredible talent. And I don't want to get into all the, the con- controversy or whatever, but he was my guy for a long time. So yeah. I watched all of his films, and Crybaby was one of them. Um, and I remember my friend John was fucking with me because I had bought it on my Johnny Depp fandom thing right. without seeing it. He's like, oh, yeah, man, it's a fun movie. Well, just take a drink every time they say crybaby. And I didn't realize <laughs> he was completely fucking with me. That is the equivalency of taking a shot every time Scarface says the word fuck. You're going to be right, hammered by right, the time right, they right. put the money in the counting machine. You're going to. That's a true story, by the way, because that's what happened to me. <laughs> wasted like a third of the way through the movie. Right. And that's what happened to me. And I was like, oh, he's fucking with me. Right when they get to the song, crybaby, crybaby, cry. It's like, wait a second. Yeah. Wait, I'm just chugging beers. So, but I dug it though, man. Yeah, it's like I said, it's it's a it's really fun. John Waters Camp, you know, it's a it's a fun musical. It's basically about you know uh, growing up in Baltimore in this fictional 1950s universe. And Baltimore, that sounds like a bird or something. It is a bird. That's right. Uh, and uh, yeah, but but like I said, it's 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 just to send up to to Greece and all those classic, you know, like you know. Uh, teeny bopper movies of the 50s and 60s so i like the uh the alphabet killer remember that scene where they do <laughs> the right. lightning strikes after every his his dad was the alphabet killer and he, he talks about i'd i'd listen to him every night counting them off a b thunderstrike <laughs> and then like they execute the the state executes his mom <laughs> why why did they do it again <laughs> Well, hell, she couldn't even spell, but they executed her just the same. Just the same. <laughs> yeah. That's cold-blooded. Yeah, it's hysterical. It's it's definitely like parody at, at its finest, but in a really loving uh, uh, send-up. Yeah, no, good movie, though. What's the rating? 
Uh, I'm going to give it a single solitary teardrop. Oh, I see what he did there. Deep cut references, even though it's not that evil cut. Either way. Um, yeah, Johnny Depp, man. That's my guy. Yeah. What, anything else on the list of the WDW? So to flip the script and go from something that I absolutely adored into something that I had to sludge through, I saw uh, Dracula Untold. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, let me see. I want to say it came out in 2002? No, it was definitely later than that. No. Oh, I bet money. Because, yeah. 2014. You were so right. Yeah, 2014. Yeah, it's a slog, dude. It was. Uh, it's not great, but it's not good. It's not great, but it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> I mean, you're only got it's, two more options. I mean, it's sur- it's, it's it's serviceable. Like it's it's a perfectly fine like popcorn munching, you know, special effects romp, but. It's just boring for the most part. It's just boring as shit. It, it's a lot of exposition and, and buffoonery bookended by like really CGI laden action sequences, which is fine if that's what you're looking for. But, you know, it's Dracula. There was so much more to play with. And you guys just went like, it's like Dracula, but the Fast and the Furious. Let's do this. Like, all right, cool. Why not? Would you say that it was the untold story of that? <laughs> I was. I would say it's the didn't need to be told story. <laughs> Not told for a reason. The part we're left out of there. That's right. The annals of history for a reason. Oh, we can just skip that one. We're good. We're good. We're good. The abridged Dracula: <laughs> colon abridged. That's right. <laughs> Trust us. <laughs> anyway, no, I've actually seen that movie. Uh, quick story: There was a uh, friend of mine. Um, she worked at the movie theater, mm-hmm. and I did my whole spiel about how um, I I thought Dracula is the greatest love story ever told. It was my favorite love story. You know, uh, Sarah Marshall later kind of stole it from me and kind of put it on its own thing. But same sentiment in the sense. So you're at least as smart as uh, Jason Segel. So. At least that. Or at least <laughs> have the same level of appreciation for Dracula. Right. Uh, although I will say this, my thoughts were always kind of there, and I tried to explain it to people. And then he explained it. Better than I did. Did you just say what I was trying to say, but smarter? But smarter. <laughs> Check that Boondocks reference. There's been two this episode. Um, yeah, no. So they, they uh, what's the word, pontificated? Go ahead and check that one. <laughs> three for three. Somebody's winning today. <laughs> Mail in your secret bingo ballot to uh, the What You've Been Watching podcast at gmail.com. Um, forgot where I was going with the story. But anyways, uh, yeah, so I told her the whole spiel about Dracula being my favorite love story, and uh, became friends later. And she ended up giving me a Dracula Untold poster, <laughs> so I had it for a very long time. And I was like, didn't have the heart to tell, but like, I like the Rob Strucker's little, <laughs> but it was a really nice gesture. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. So I had it for a very long time, just for no reason whatsoever. Not sure what happened to it, but if I find it and we get a camera, you guys will see it on YouTube soon. Hopefully. It's going up. It's going so, up. It's going up on the studios. Um, yeah, I remember that movie like I not like I wanted to like it, so I gave it. I just really looked at it really optimistically, mm-hmm. of just being like, I want to like this movie because I got the poster. Like, why not? <laughs> right. And so I remember there was a scene where he goes and fights a bunch. I think it was the Turks, right? Yeah, the Ottomans, Turks, whatever. Yeah, and it was on like this giant like valley between mm-hmm. like these mountainous mm-hmm. thing or whatever. And I remember that was a pretty cool scene. It was really CGI laden, but like he was full Dracula powers, and he just ran through like an entire army 
of humans. Oh yeah, he's, oh, he's like, snapping fuck? necks and taking people's swords and stabbing them through. Like it's all very PG violence, but like he's you know transforming into a flocker or a swarm or I don't know what the terminology for is for a group of a bats. murder of crows, <laughs> but a, <laughs> bats. a school of bats. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's turning into into a large you know batch. You know, look if you want biology terms, you're on the wrong <laughs> podcast. Like a gaggle of sharks. I don't fucking know. <laughs> gaggle of sharks. Anyway. It's called a dun-dun of sharks. <laughs> dun-dun. <laughs> like, what did, shark, what did the sharks say each other? No, 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 no. Oh, man. <laughs> Callbacks. Anyway. Anyways, anyway yeah. So he's transforming so, a bat. Yeah, but he's transforming into like a whole swarm of bats, and then he's controlling bats with his mind, and he turns the swarm of bats into a huge fist, which rises into the air and then smashes it down on the army the and like... Sends people scattering, and yeah, it's it's yeah, a he, whole. He kills an entire army. It's like hundreds of dudes, and he's one guy, and he's just like, "Ain't got shit on me." Right, right. Like, God forbid, somebody have a one wooden stake, and it's like, "Oh, <laughs> this. all my power is drained away." Garlic. Oh, I ate too much garlic and he farted. <laughs> oh man. No, I remember that scene being really cool, but I remember like my standard of what I consider Dracula, like. He's supposed to be like this broken man, and they kind of shoehorn in like they spoilers. They kill his wife, right? And I was just like, well, of course, I knew they had to do that, but it was just kind of lame. It was like, Arr. and now he's like, no mercy for anyone. And it was kind of cool to see him unhinged. Like that was the one part I kind of did like about the movie, but I remember the rest of it. I just felt like it was a completely missed mark. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it does have Charles Dance from, uh, you know, Game of Thrones, and you know who Charles Dance is. Uh, speaking of things I don't know, just like Charles Dance, who I don't know who that is, because I've never seen Game of Thrones, oh, I probably well. won't in my life, because that's too late for me now. <laughs> uh, who's the star of this? Uh, his name was Evan Lucas. Lucas Evans? Lucas Evans, that's the one. <laughs> so, I thought that that guy uh -huh. was the same guy that was the bad guy in 300. Was the oh, same uh, guy Dominic West. Sure. Yeah, Dominic West, right? Yeah, yeah, apparently, yes, it is Dominic West. <laughs> I thought those were the exact same people. <laughs> I had no idea. And then also in this movie is another guy who I thought was, again, the same person until I saw this movie, and I was like, oh, shit, those are different people? Dominic Cooper. Oh, yeah, like, uh, he was Preacher, and, and uh, uh, God, what else did he do? Uh, he was uh, in one of the Hobbit movies, wasn't he? Yes, yeah. Wasn't he? Yeah, but yeah his name... His face looks different, but his name was too similar to Dominic West and Luke or Lucas Evans or whatever. <laughs> I just mixed them up. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. Like, I, I learned something new today. Though. Those it's are like, all different people. It's like Ryan Felipe, Ryan Gosling kind of thing. <laughs> I'll say this. You, you can fill in the blanks. I had a friend that said that a certain demographic of people look the exact same. You're talking about white people, right? Yes. <laughs> and uh, he had said... <laughs> He's like, the, the Oscar-winning movie, The Departed. He was like, I couldn't stand that movie. I was like, why? He's like, I kept forgetting which white boy was which one. Like, was it DiCaprio? Or, and it made me laugh. It's like an Oscar-winning, like, one best picture, best director, all that shit. He's like, they had, ah. they had one black guy. I knew who that was. Yeah, I, know. Oh, no. He's like, I couldn't remember which white boy was which white boy. And when he was breaking it down like that, I was dying laughing. But I think I might suffer that fate on this one. I didn't know it was three different people. So apparently, Dragulin told brought something to the light for me. So hey, I see what you did there. Hey, that's what I did. Yeah. He also didn't he like kill 
he like turns on his own people too. He becomes like the last vampire from shit. Yeah, spoiler alert. They, yeah, just spoiler. Two thousand and fourteen. Yeah, <laughs> that also was. I think they greenlit this because they were gonna start using him as um as the springboard for the Universal Dark. The the yeah yeah. And then it didn't do well, so they used the Tom Cruise the Mummy movie, which didn't do well right. either. And then they just abandoned the whole. Thing. And they were just like we're out. Right. Yeah, they had just been a banner whole thing. But yes, um, that at some point during the end, he kills the the Turkish emperor or whatever that was trying to ravage his land. Yeah, he fucks those people up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he kills them and he drags the body out. And at this point, he's turned, like after his wife dies, he just turns his whole like village into vampires because they're like, yes, we will help you seek revenge. And these people are have killed, you know, half of our population and whatever, whatever. So as he drags the body out, the villagers all swarm on him like, yeah, now we're going to take the war to the rest of humanity and we're going to we're going to trample the humans and, and feed on them for eternity. And he's like, no, we must never. And literally just uses Dracula magic to part the clouds and the sun comes out and he burns them all alive. So it's like, oh, well, but that was the thing you were going for the whole time was like, I got to save my people. Now they're all dead. And like, why? What was OK? Yeah, I remember. Well, as long as your kid survives, I guess that's all right. Yeah, no, he burns them all alive. <laughs> I remember, like, the rules of being a vampire in that were very weird. Like, I didn't mind the bad trend. That was just a cool scene. But, like, I remember, like, the way they broke down the rules of somebody being a vampire was, like, super overly complicated in the reasonings as to why. So, I don't know. It is what it is. I know if you bite them and you don't die, that's a werewolf. But <laughs> it's something like that. Something like that. And silver has something to do with something. <laughs> I know they were fighting on a big pile of silver and his senses were all wonky. Or yeah, whatever. exactly. I'm exactly. Like, hey. I'm like, he's a fuck. I don't know. Whatever. Either way, what would you rate it? I would give it. Uh, I'm going to give it three days of useless vampirism. I'm going to give it eight Encyclopedia Britannica. Whatever volumes, okay, <laughs> because it was bookended. I don't know where I was going. <laughs> bookended was cool stuff. <laughs> I was on my feet. I was going to say there was some leather on that joke. Yeah, yeah whatever. Like, our rating system is very serious. And I don't appreciate you, Scott. <laughs> all right, very serious. This is the absolute authority on all things. Don't worry about your A minuses out of your stupid ass New York Times or your Peter Travers at Rolling Stone. That fucking bum. You turn to WBW Podcast for all your hot reviews of movies that have come out in 2014 and beyond. I would like to say that the views of one MD3 do not reflect the views of everyone here at What You've Been Watching Studios. I, for one, Peter Travers, would like to reach out to you and have you in, please come on the podcast at any time. I will file that for consideration. <laughs> I might amend my previous statements. <laughs> if, Tomorrow on corrections. Yeah. <laughs> Also, behind the scenes, Michael was once again trying to weasel out of watching It's Pat the Movie. And I wish we would have had the mic on. <laughs> Apparently, his his uh, co-worker, Dustin, shout out to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You can tell the story, and I'll tell him how you're trying to weasel out. <laughs> you're not getting out of watching It's Pat. I mean, you, there's you not much to tell. Basically, just he was listening to one of the he was listening to the SNL episode, and he was like, "Yeah, I remember like seeing that movie, like just." When he was listening to it, it, was like it brought back this whole flood of memories that I guess I had suppressed or whatever. Because I remember seeing that movie one night, like a sleepover or something like that, and it's not good. And I feel kind of justified in that, like, we can just walk away from it now. And I told Michael what he's trying to do. And first <laughs> off, I caught on to his little scheme. What he was trying to do was say that because he was trying to live through Dustin by Carrie. <laughs> so he's seen it and it brought up a conversation. So now I don't have to watch it. And I said, eh. 
get back in the room. <laughs> Those credits don't transfer, sir. And I don't usually get bossy like this, but sometimes I need to draw a line in the sand. Listen, I have seen every Steven Seagal movie ever made, which absolutely makes me a half keto master. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, maybe his brain of half keto. <laughs> I mean, it worked for Steven Seagal. <laughs> yeah, I would, you know what we need to do? I'm going to write this down now. Is a, a kung fu or a karate movie and tell you the differences in each and every one of them. And I'll tell you my problem with Steven Seagal, and it started a bad trend in movies for a long time. Oh no! And I'll I'll, de I'll deep dive into each which one, what each of them did right and what each of them did wrong. There's a lot for Steven Seagal, and one he just sounds like a fucking terrible human being and a pain in the ass to work with. But what he did do was he started this trend where he would just walk through people. Yeah. Like, there would be a room filled with guns, and he would just walk in a straight line and, like, punch somebody once. And they're just like, oh! And, like, he was just, he, he never got beat up in any of his movies, except for maybe Under Siege. <laughs> After that, like, he just walked through motherfuckers. <laughs> That's just what it was. Hate to tell you, Hulk Hogan did it first. Yeah, maybe, maybe, but he was the Hulkster. So, he He's way more charismatic than Seagal. This is also true. So, but yeah, like you know, I'll I'll save it for later. Like Van Damme got stabbed and shit, and that was yeah, that was cool. Yeah. Like, oh, this dude gets fucked up. So, but yeah, Seagal, we're coming back. <laughs> we're coming for you. I'm pointing the mic. Well, y'all can't see it, but I'm I'm hot with the pen in the back end of this thing. <laughs> uh, I got some notes about a certain up and coming directors, some uh, C O E N brothers. Movie that you watched as well? Oh yeah, yeah. Just uh, just rewatched uh, Oh Brother Where Art Thou? Just you know, we were talking about it, I think on the last podcast or maybe the one beforehand, and was just kind of scrolling through and decided, you know what, man? Like I'm gonna go revisit that one. And I just want to say, we were 100 correct. We are really good at what we do. Remember when I told you our rating system? <laughs> That's right. And you tried to question it. <laughs> Look at him backpedaling now. That's right. I come crawling back. Uh, I told you. We're but out, yeah, yeah. If you haven't seen, if you have not seen Oh Brother, We're Out Thou, it literally is absolutely worth your time. It is such a well-crafted and well-put-together movie. And I mean, it, it's it's writing and editing and acting all firing on all cylinders. Yeah. I mean, it's it's phenomenal. Yeah. Subtlety on point. In, oh, yeah. On the nose on point. Like humorous without trying to be dramatic. It's It's like I said on the previous one, if somebody told me that that was their favorite movie of all time, I'd be like, i buy it. I, I could get it. Yeah. Same thing with like Shawshank Redemption, which shout out to The Godfather. I'm pretty sure that is his favorite movie of all time, <laughs> but not the movie The Godfather. Caleb. <laughs> Sorry for those that were uh, uninitiated. Uh, the Godfather, Caleb himself, has mentioned that that's his favorite movie, uh, Shawshank Redemption. And that's one of those films, like once again, if somebody says that, you're like, I can see it. Yeah. You know, eh. Yeah, oh, brother art thou. Keep an eye on those Cohen brothers, whatever they got going on. <laughs> oh, um, what's up with the Robert Eggers movie, the Nosferatu movie? Did you hear about this? I've heard. I haven't seen thing one about it though. Okay. I'm so down. I mean, Robert Eggers doing a vampire movie? Yes, please. Let's yeah. do that. Isn't it one of the Scars Guards down there? I forget who it is. Yeah, one of those handsome Scar Guard boys. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure which one, but yeah, it sounds. I'm sure he's good. very tall and handsome and pale. Probably. Either way, yeah. <laughs> While we're on the subject of vampires, yeah. Um, I did see something. What'd you see? Uh, what you been watching? There we go. Uh, well, I'll come back to the other ones, but uh, I did see the movie Spirited. Okay. But I want to come back to that because there's a good segue at the end. I'm teasing right now. Okay. Uh, I did watch some Always Sunny in Philadelphia in my preparation to go, and also I just haven't watched the show in a while. It's kind of cyclical with things like that. So I went back and watched some Always Sunny. Uh, man. 
I love that show. It's so good. Uh, honest confession, I I never like I wouldn't say I disliked the show, but I didn't really get it when it first came out for like the first three or seasons or whatever. Because mm-hmm. I just and it's true, like what I'm about to say isn't false. I just thought it was them yelling at each other every episode. And I, I didn't think that it wasn't unfunny. I just thought that it made for bad television. I was like, I don't know what's going on. Every episode for at least five minutes, it's just a cacophony of, blah, 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 no, you. Right, right, right. And right. I was like, this is bad television. And then I, I didn't think it was unfunny, though. It was just kind of like, I didn't really get it. And then the more I started to get into it and just kind of, I guess you get comfortable with something, the more you watch it, mm-hmm. something clicked. And I was like, oh, they're terrible human beings. Right. And they're all like, this is the way they know how to be right is just be louder than the other person. It's like, right. Oh, right. okay. Right. Right. Something clicked finally. And I was like, Oh, cool. So gotta say, I'm a big fan of that show. I'm glad I got through whatever that phase was. But yeah, um, they're, they're, they're basically the antithesis of every like family sitcom is like, you know, every family sitcom is 30 minutes and then somebody learns a lesson at the end of it. You know, like whatever problem you have is neatly, you know, tied up in a bow and you know, everybody's better for it at the end always sunny is they are constantly creating their own problems usually unnecessarily go through wild extremes to try and you know cope with it affecting everyone around them in horrific and and detrimental ways and then they end up learning nothing Nothing. through the entire time like over something that really didn't even need to be started in the first place yeah i uh, i started watching some of the earlier seasons with like rickety cricket yeah, before yeah, he was, yeah. was just Matthew, or right. whatever. Yeah, Father, Father Matthew. Matthew. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Angie, we're up to I think season four now or whatever. And Angie was like, I think she missed one of his appearances. Uh-huh. And he came back in the dance off. I was like, what happened to him? Like, <laughs> or no, she saw when uh, when he got the gang gets whacked when he gets his legs broken or whatever, uh-huh. and they hook him on cocaine. Uh-huh. And like then he came back in the dance off. They're like, what happened to him? I was like, the crew happened to him. The, the gang <laughs> happened to him. And I explained like. By the end, he has half his face is burnt. One of his eyes is milky. Oh, yeah. He has a giant scar. Like, they fuck him up. Dude. He's homeless. He's like <laughs> sleeping in the junkyard. He's like, at one point, he's like, I was a man of cloth. <laughs> Poor Rickety Cricket. Oh. Just use when they Charlie puts the cocaine in his gums and he just laughs maniacally. You're like, <laughs> oh, man, this poor guy. Get away from these people as soon as you can. Um, but yeah, it no, it's, it's a good show, though. Do you have any favorite episodes of that? Uh, the, the episode that got me into the show was who pooped the bed. I just watched that. That was two nights ago. That again, I had seen like one or two episodes of it. I didn't really get it, but then who pooped the bed was, was the, was the turning point. Like, again, like you said, like it all clicked and I was like, oh, these people are just assholes. Like they're just, they're just assholes. That's, that's it. That's the whole point of the show. Just terrible people doing terrible things and we all get to laugh at it. So yeah, I, I would say the one that kind of brought my attention to the show, because I heard some people kind of talk about it, um, but I was so enamored with Chappelle's show still at the mm-hmm. time, I was like, nothing's getting through that. Right. Um, still hasn't. Played. Yeah, still hasn't. <laughs> it's, it's hard to slip through the cracks. <laughs> one day I'll, I'll do a full Chappelle dive, and it'll, it'll be tough, but yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think the uh, the gang gets invincible when they try out for the Eagles. Yeah. was one that when I first came out, I was like, oh, that's really funny that they're that they think that they're going to make the Eagles, or, right. you know, whatever. And I started noticing like, oh, they just kind of take what they want to talk about. Like, ah, oh, let's talk about gun control. But without being preachy, they just want to talk about it yeah. through the lens of these shitty people. And so like, ah, oh, let's do one about Invincible. And um, that was one, but I still didn't quite get the show. I think it was, 
I think Philadelphia might have been the one that that really was like, oh, oh right. That's right. when I really got where they where they go and they the, reignite the, the rivalry the cup, uh, tournament. Yeah, the gang reignites the rivalry mm-hmm, and they mm-hmm. poison the entire frat group, the frat boys, and then they reignite the rivalry with the restaurant that doesn't even remember them. Right. That restaurant shows up at Philadelphia, and by then the gang's moved on to other things. <laughs> like, oh, they're terrible people. Right. Oh, I get it now. Like they double down on all the bullshit. See, another good episode is uh, I, I think it's called the gang gets black. Yeah, but it's it's literally they wake up, right? Yes, yeah. Where they they wake up and they're they're each individual character is now black, um, and it's yeah they it's them living life in it's almost like a whiz kind of situation. It is the yeah, whiz. It is yeah. the whiz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's hysterical. Yeah. It's it's a really funny like shocking take on racism and profiling, sort of you know bias and whatnot through the lens of white people but they make it work in a really weird way like you, you will be shocked and offended but that's entirely the point it's weird they have some episodes of that show that are banned and I, i'm not going to say i don't understand why because that's not really if it offends somebody whatever to that point the only thing i'll say is is like they never claim to be role models like the right. whole point of the show is like they're terrible human beings right and i'm not saying that it's it's not for me to judge whether it's right or wrong if they put on blackface and do lethal weapon. Is it hilarious? Yes. yes. Like it is. I'm gonna be very honest. Like you call me what you want. Like it's it's a fucking really funny episode. Right. But like the fact that they're like, well, that's offensive, and it, to say, oh, we put on blackface, like it it is. Yes. But like there's to say that there's zero context yes. for the rest of the show. Right. And it's like that's the whole point. They're not apologetic people. They do dumb, terrible things all the time, and. It's not even that 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 that's banned. That like I don't even really have a problem with it. It just makes it more difficult to watch. You mm-hmm. still can, but it's not that that's banned. It's the fact that they ban that, and then they do equally as horrific things, and that's still like fine. Like oh, that's comedy. It's like what's the line? Here? Yeah, I I agree. I so I I, I don't want to get too into it, but yeah, I, I think once you start catering to well, this offends me and individualizing like what's offensive and sort of like catering to all of that, then like. It, there's a certain policy of it's either all okay or none of it is okay. And, yeah. And you 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 just have to, at, at some point, especially in a comedy setting, be ready to accept that, like, not every joke is for you and not every joke is directed to... I, I, I do think there's something to, like, you don't punch down, you know, like, you, yeah. don't, you don't... It's okay to talk about a taboo topic, but it's not really cool to make fun of the victim of that right. or, or to to make fun of somebody who isn't in a position to fight back necessarily. Um, But I think that that being said, that doesn't, that still leaves you wide open to a lot, you know, and, and there's a way to do it and, and do it correctly. But also you also can't go into something expecting to be offended and looking for offense. And you just might have to accept that at some point, like, well, that joke didn't work for me, but what is the harm? What is the context? You know, like what, what is it actually saying? Am I just, am I offended by the words that were used or am I offended by what they were trying to say in that joke? Or maybe, hear me out, unpopular opinion. Maybe it's a you thing and maybe, right. and this part of it might be a little bit unpopular. Maybe you should shut the fuck up. <laughs> Sorry. Maybe. Sorry. Cool. You just didn't like that episode. Cool. That's fine. Next one. Yeah. Cool. Like, yeah. It's all good. I, I was a little harsh. I, I understand, but like, 
there's plenty of comedians that say things, you know, like they'll talk about, you know, they'll say a certain word, the R word, the dreaded R word. Like, I don't use that as much as I, like, it's kind of eliminated from my vocabulary. Right. Because I have a daughter who has special needs. So, like, when people say that, it's not that I'm mad that they say it. It's like, oh, my God, you're a terrible person because you say it. Right. I mean, you have a right to say it. It might, I might not fuck with that person. I might be like, all right, man, like, chill out, whatever. But, like, if you're doing a comedy bit and I don't like that because I don't find it that funny, like, okay, it doesn't mean you're a terrible comic right. and I should right. cancel your livelihood and all of your ways to make money. And I'm saying, oh, you have to pull that off of the internet. Like, I promise you I won't watch it anymore. If, right. And there's a right. way to say it that is like, okay, but I think it's lazy personally. But, again, I don't get, like, super butthurt about it. But that's just me. It's whatever. I know South Park does some terrible things, but they get away with it because it's animated. And it's like, I've seen Cartman do terrible things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He yeah. fed somebody their parents. Like, Which is yeah. probably the worst thing you could ever do. Like, yeah. like, I don't care. Like, you could say the N-word all day long, and I'll be like, that's not cool. But yeah. the second you're like, oh, and by the way, I fed some kid his own parents, sure. I'd be like, that's fucked. It's really dark. Yeah. That's fucked. Yeah. So, anyway, shout out to Always Sunny Cast. That was enough of a our high horse, but um, yeah. Not so just to be clear, we're pro N word, not pro feeding your parents to your <laughs> to your children. <laughs> Let's say this one more time: the uh, <laughs> the thoughts and actions of half the Westman watches is not said for the entire Academy of Westman watching. <laughs> Anyways, no, uh, you you guys know our heart. You know where we're at. So um, the other thing I watched that I haven't seen in a while, man, I got me an episode of The Price Is Right. Nice, bro. What are some? I also watched a little bit of Celebrity Jeopardy, and Celebrity Jeopardy makes me. Feel smart, of course, because they're much dumber. <laughs> I I want my I know you are a Jeopardy buff. Yeah, you and my shout out to Father X. Uh, my dad is also a Jeopardy buff. I I kind of resented the game just because I never cared. You you guys were so into it. I was like, man, fuck that stupid <laughs> smarty pants show. Ask me how to cook a chicken. I'm gonna show you. So, um, yeah, but no, I I like it's a great game show though, man. You can't oh yeah argue that. So I watched some of the celebrity Jeopardy and made me feel special. But even when I watch like regular Jeopardy, like eighty percent of the show I don't know. Right. But there's like one every once in a while I'll get one category and I'm like, booyah, home run. Oh yeah. And oh, yeah. I know everything about it. And it's oh, usually yeah. the weirdest shit ever. Yeah. Or it's that's, like that's 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 what you live for, where it's like you that's that's the, the, the time where you get to show off to your friends where they're like comic book writers and graphic novels, and you're like, I'm about to fucking ruin you guys yeah i'm about to run rampant i remember they had a uh in double jeopardy they had a simpsons category and i this character's middle name is and i was like what is nasahama pima petula apu like what i was talking like season this season that i was i was in it so um yeah i so i got me a couple episodes of that uh what are some of your favorite game shows though man oh man jeopardy obviously Jeopardy, I'm a big fan of. Uh, I always liked uh, Wheel of Fortune just because that was the lead into Jeopardy. That was, you know, getting to solve the puzzles. And I, I was always moderately good at it, but never good enough to where, like, I felt like I could, you know, make a standing or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And plus, you know, it's just fun trying to guess along and, like, especially if you're playing with a group and somebody's trying to guess the phrase and you're like you stupid ass like those aren't even the same letters like you're not even using what's on the board right now what yeah. are you doing when we get a z <laughs> right a seven <laughs> what is it what does it say family guy the batman symbol, batman symbol. <laughs> yeah. and then that weird squiggly mark that you get when you rub your eye right yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Nah, I mean, I, that's all cool. I, uh, I'm a Price is Right guy, man. I think the best I hour, think, I think the best block of television, whether it be prime time or not, is uh, Let's Make a Deal. Yes. And then yes. straight into The Price is Right. And I got to say, as much as I'm a fan of the original, I think Wayne Brady is a far superior host in terms of like personality and, and charisma. I mean, that guy just fueled by fairy dust and like other people's applause. That dude, I'm going to say some shit about Wayne Brady. Really Uh-oh. Quick. Be real, son. You put some respect on Wayne Brady's name. <laughs> that dude is a G. Uh, even Chappelle said it. He was like, man, when he when he shot the episode, the Wayne Brady show episode, he was like, Wayne's gangster came out. Like, some of that stuff was completely unscripted. That he did. <laughs> and, um, no, that guy jumped on uh, Sway in the Morning. It's a it's a talk show on Sirius XM. You can find it on YouTube. I'm sorry. I don't listen to hip hop. I know. <laughs> uh, they do something on there called The Five Fingers of Death. Uh-huh. And it's where you, you rap over five different beats. And a lot of like rappers go on there and nowadays quote unquote freestyling is they have a verse that they wrote down. It's not really freestyling. Sure. Wayne Brady was not that way. And they sway the host warned everybody's like for all you rappers out there that think you're just going to come on this show and just come off the top of your head. I would recommend that you write something down first in case, because this man, and he's pointing out Wayne Brady is about to show you how you do it. He is the standard for doing this. Don't come on this show unless you're at this level. <laughs> you might get embarrassed. And, and he, that's exactly what he said. And they were, he's like, this is the only person that he's so good at it. We throw him words while he's doing it. We oh, give him shit. a subject matter. And he'll be like, rap about this. And on the next beat, he'll make a whole song about couches. And he'll be like, Sit, like I'm not even going to try to do it because right, I'm not right. Brady. But <laughs> you like, all, I always try. I thought about son. So... Put some respect on Wayne Brady's name, so yes. But, Absolute, 100% respect. But I did, I'll say all that, uh, on The Price is Right, when I was watching that, they got a new studio, man. I think they COVID-proofed it or whatever. Oh, really? And yeah, it looked different. I don't know if it was a rerun or not, but if everyone was sitting in like groups of two, hmm. I'm like, man, it made me feel like like everyone in the audience was participating, and I need them to play a specific role. That is just shout. Right, and yell random numbers. numbers. <laughs> and throw up. 428, 745, yeah. 612. Yep, to a point where it's one dollar. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it was great though. That is, <laughs> I always love when you're when somebody's playing prices right and you can tell they're looking for somebody in the audience because they're like, help me out, help me out here, Karen. I need your help. And they can't fucking find them. And so they're just like, fine, you, what what, what do you got? What do you got? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the best. They look at the whole crowd. Yeah, yeah, this. So, now that show is actually on my bucket list, man. I want to be on the Price is Right. Go do it like, for real. Apparently, sure. all you got to do is just show up. That's what I'd like to do. They still got male models on there. I know Bob Barker wouldn't have stood for that. He would all. not have at <laughs> all. <laughs> Hell, you think this is? Drew Carey's made it soft. <laughs> 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 oh wait, I just realized what I just said. There. <laughs> but uh, no, nah, man, uh, that is that is the game show of game shows, man. Yeah, motherfucking. Yeah. Price is right, dude. And then I don't know. I, I was like, like, uh, uh, password, ten thousand dollar password. Oh yeah. Or was it? Was it ten thousand dollar pyramid? Was password. Yeah, know. password. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's where you can. Oh yeah, the password is. Yeah. Right, right. So it'd be like you know, the, the password be like picnic, and you'd be like basket, and then somebody else would be like uh, cradle. No, yeah. whatever. Like you, you get you get some of the classic TV personalities on there who like really know how to make it funny like Sammy Davis Jr. Or like yeah. um, B. Arthur or, or uh, Carol Burnett or something like that just somebody who's just gonna cut up 
Oh, oh yeah, God. it was so much fun. So much fun. Yeah, dude. Shout out to the old school comics, man. They just put them on, give them a camera, and be like, go. And they yeah. just did their thing. So they were just, yeah, they were so sharp with it, man. Yeah. Man, like the Joan Rivers of the world. Shout out to Joan Rivers. Joan Rivers, man. Um, anyways, yeah. Price is Right. Those are some of my favorite game shows. Watched a couple episodes. But to bring it back, though, um, I watched the movie Spirited. Yes. On Apple TV. It's um, Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell. I enunciated that more than I should have. But um, I felt thick in the throat when I was saying it. Um, but yeah, Will Ferrell, Ryan Reynolds. It's ultimately Scrooged, but it kind of shows the behind the scenes of how the, the hauntings work. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, spoiler, well, I guess I'll spoil it. <laughs> ultimately, um, Will Ferrell plays Ebenezer, Ebenezer Scrooge, and he becomes one of the ghosts that haunts people. And so oh, he, he okay. kind of pays it forward. And he, it's all about can somebody really change? Can they really be um, redeemed? Mm-hmm. Because, or are we just inherently stuck with who we are? They have this giant catalog of people. Half of them are, you know, some of them are, they call them unredeemable. And the other ones are redeemable. And so every, every holiday they go out and they try to find somebody to make a difference in the world. And Will Ferrell feels that they've been shooting too low. They've been like, oh, okay, well, like, what's the real difference? This person works at a, at a Walmart, you know? Like, mm-hmm. And they talk about the ripple effect and how every good deed spreads its, you know, whatever. So he wants a bigger fish to fry, and that's Ryan Right, Reynolds. cause a bigger ripple will impact Pretty much. Lives. Pretty okay, much. Gotcha. So ultimately, so he goes after Ryan Reynolds, who works at this giant PR firm. And okay. his whole thing is, like, you meet him, and he's uh, he's trying to get better PR for um, Canadian farm uh, Christmas tree farmers. Mm-hmm. And he has this, and it's a musical. I should have led with that. It's a musical, and I've never seen Ryan Reynolds do a musical before. Got to give him credit on this. Really? He he really, you can tell, really took it very seriously. Awesome. Very seriously. So anyways, at the Christmas tree, they break into this giant song and dance, and it's about how, um, it's just the funny ways of like making them hate your enemy, and this and that, and the third, and like um, trashes plastic Christmas trees, and this and that, and tells this beautiful song and dance about, you know, Canadian Christmas tree farmers. It gets everyone riled up and Will Ferrell sees this and he's like, that's the guy, that's the guy, that's the guy. Come to find out, Ryan Reynolds is unredeemable. He's just so bad that he can't be redeemed. And Will Ferrell says, pretty much doubles down on this and says, I'll cash in my pension. I'll retire right now as the ghost of Christmas present if you if you let me get a shot at this guy. Sure. And so that's ultimately what happens. Okay. And they go back and forth of and it's kind of a fun back and forth. Um, the Ghost of Christmas Future is voiced by Tracy Morgan. Which, oh, nice. This is really funny. <laughs> Wait, so the skeletal, like, look here, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> but all he can do is point. Nobody can hear him say the, the actual person they're haunting. His words never come out, so it's just him pointing uh-huh. all the time. But when he's behind the scenes, everybody else can hear him. <laughs> and it's typical Tracy Morgan being hilarious. And I think he actually sings in it at one point. Sweet. He hits a couple notes. Pretty good. So uh, it was the music in it is actually really, really good. Um, it was Justin Paul who did um, La La Land and a bunch of other stuff. He's been okay. really popular. And uh, I'm going to mispronounce his name Binge Pasek, B N J P A S E K. I apologize if I just sure. botched your name. That's what we do here. What you been watching? One of them Polak names. Sure. I don't know. <laughs> um, and it was directed and written by uh, Sean Anders. Um, actually, a pretty good movie, though, man. I think as cool. I'm getting older, I cry at more stuff, which is a bad sign. Pussy. Yep. Pretty much. <laughs> Pile it on. But I, 
actually did kind of well up. There's a moment, um, I won't spoil it, but it's just about human nature and can we really be redeemed? And it just kind of was, it was a good moment. I had the dogs with me and they were all kind of nestled up and I was cuddling on the couch. And it's just one of those moments. It wasn't necessarily, it was the movie, but you kind of look at it as a whole and you're like, oh man, this is kind of a nice moment that, yeah, kind of where it's at, right? Yeah. And so what they were talking about in the movie at that moment, kind of looking at that. It reminded me of like why I love movies enough to start a fucking podcast. <laughs> Somebody asked me, like, oh man, you really like movies. I go, yeah, enough yeah. to start a fucking podcast. Dedicate time to it all yeah. the time. Yeah. So um, it kind of, it, it did kind of warm me in that way. Um, but I do, I do want to circle back to Ryan Reynolds though. Like I believe that like when he does Deadpool, obviously has a team of stuntmen that are doing some of the flips for him. Mm-hmm. I give him credit though. He really does dive into that role. It, this one, when it comes to like the song and dance numbers, he really, I can tell he really put in the work. Good. Uh, he he does a little tap number, nice, uh, really quick, and him and Will Ferrell actually go back and forth. And um, there's a little meta joke about like, yeah, I've never done anything like that in my life. I've never expressed myself. It's incredibly, or he said, I've never tap danced before. It's an incredibly expressive medium. And, <laughs> and you can tell like he's talking about the character he's playing, right? But like you can tell it's also Ryan Reynolds being yeah, letting right shining through for a minute. Yeah. yeah. Um. It's very much so, though, a play. Like, it, you okay. can tell it was on sound stages. Some of it is shot in Boston, which they green screen New York in. <laughs> but it's a lot of it is on sound stage, and you can tell, like, it's shot like a play. Like, yeah. it, it reminds you, like, when you watch the Hamilton quote unquote movie, there's scenes in this movie that are like, oh, they actually got a, a theater trope to do all this stuff. Right. Like, it's the way it's shot, like, the coloring, the lighting, everything. You're like, oh, this is ready to be adapted for the stage at any moment. So you think it's, it's more just a, I don't want to say cash grab, but you think that they're like setting themselves up for like future marketing and, and future runs in terms of like, I mean, based very, on the hit Ryan Reynolds movie, you know, very possibly I can tell whoever wrote the movie. I mean, definitely the songs as well, but the director, Sean Andrews, I think he wrote the screenplay and directed it. Okay. You can tell that he has a theater background. Right, you right, can, right. Oh, well, oh, so maybe it was the flip side then. Maybe it was supposed to be a play and he couldn't get it off the ground and then, you know, then they maybe, flipped into a movie. You know, maybe. I yeah, I'd, I'd love to do some research on that yeah. and uh, figure it out on another day. But I actually, I did enjoy it though, man. It, it runs, you feel the length a little bit, mm-hmm. but um, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty enjoyable. I got to give also Will Ferrell credit for saying that like, Elf, whether whatever you feel about it or not, is a Christmas classic. Just oh, yeah. in the, the ether of the world, like people, that is a beloved movie. Yeah. Shout out to Johnny Favs as well for making Iron Man and Elf. Like, Come yeah, on, man. Um, what an incredible year he had. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Um, but like to do another Christmas movie after you already have a bona fide classic under your belt is pretty bold. Mm-hmm. And so for him to say, like, if I'm going to do this, it's got, I'm swinging like, to a way different beat, mm-hmm. you know, obviously pun intended, but like it's got to be something very different, and I can't just do Elf again. Like right, I've done that, right, right, right. And right. so he's done some one man plays. He actually was nominated for a Tony for his work. Uh, Will Ferrell was when he did uh, George W. Bush. It's, it's a stand up. It's a it's oh, like really? a stand up comedy. If you haven't seen it, it's called You're Welcome. And so it's, it's just him doing his George, George Bush, Bush. from SNL, basically. Yeah, and okay. it's, a, it's a one-man show, but he got uh, nominated for a Tony for it. So he has a little bit of theater background, and you can tell that he really, as well, sunk his teeth into this role. Cool. And so I don't think, I don't know, only time will tell if it's going to stand the time as a Christmas classic, but I definitely enjoyed it. Um, I typically try to not watch 
holiday movies before Thanksgiving or Christmas food before Thanksgiving. Right. I already broke that rule. So um, it is what it is. They do have an interesting romance in it. Um, I think it's The Vacation or what's the movie that um, Cameron Diaz switches with, uh, what's her name from Titanic? Kate Winslet? Oh, uh, The Holiday. The Holiday, yeah. Where they switch. And then the yeah, and then Kate Winslet hooks up with Jack, Jack Black, Black, and I was like, this movie has no truth in it. There's yeah. no tr- there was no part where Kate Winslet's like, I like the sloppy American man. Yeah. <laughs> and I fuck with Jack Black. Man. I do I too, got... but there's just no fucking way. Yeah, and he's he's cast perfectly in the movie, and it was nice a nice change of pace to not see him. Like, I was afraid that they were going to be like, oh, he's friend-rolled in this movie. Right. And right. at least he gets to... He, he wins out with Kate Winslet or whatever. There's actually... Uh, a romance that kind of happens in this movie between Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds. No, no, oh. it's, it's a romance, absolutely. But um, it's <laughs> I say I'll watch that movie. I, I would too. I would too. But it's uh, Octavia Spencer uh-huh. and Will Ferrell. Really? Yeah, and I won't say how it how it comes to play, but like it actually, like when you watch it, it kind of makes sense in a weird way. You're like, I can see these two doing a romantic comedy together. All like, right. She's a, that. she's a really good actress. I mean, she won a freaking Oscar, Oscar. So she played God <laughs> in that Sam Worthington movie. I forget what it's called, but it was Big Mama, whatever. But um, Big Mama. That's what she called herself, Big Mama, whatever. Well, I don't remember. I saw it rehab. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, she did play God though. Um, but no, I was really taken aback by that man. The fact that Will Ferrell and Octavia Spencer, I didn't cool. think the chemistry would hit off, but like. Actually, kind of carried it to a point nice. of believability, and you're like, oh. And Ryan Reynolds plays an absolute asshole in this, which is what, what you does. want. Yeah, if you're gonna hire somebody, that's who you want, right? From waiting yeah. and right. all the other right. stuff, like he fell into that pretty, pretty easily. So, I would give it seventy-two Christmas reads. Ooh, seventy-two Christmas reads. Seventy-two Christmas reads. That's a lot of Christmas reads. That's a lot of reads. You're going to have to distribute those. You might have to. <laughs> um, I brought all that up. You you wanted to talk about a movie. So that's why I saved that for the segue. Um, you wanted to talk about a certain Christmas movie that's coming out? Oh, yeah. Violent Night from yeah. uh, uh, featuring David Harbour. So basically, uh, Johnny Legs, John, Johnny Leguizamo. Johnny Legs, baby. Tries to break into a super rich mansion because they have $300 million in the vault. And it's on the same night that Santa Claus comes a calling. It's coming to town. And I've heard uh, such tales. Yeah. And then uh, David Harbour as Santa Claus proceeds to uh, John McClane all over his ass. So <laughs> I can't wait to see it. It's going to be great. <laughs> I love how John Wick has become its own genre of movie. Yeah. It kind of started with Taken. They called it Jerry Action back then. Jerry Action? Yeah. That's what it was oh, old people, oh kicking old people kicking ass. <laughs> yeah, the Jerry Action, which I thought was fucking... If it's not happening, if I made up made that up and put that back in my own brain somehow, I'm taking full credit. I don't think I did. God damn it! Yeah. I want the history books to know. To know, if not, we're gonna make it hot. We're gonna do that right away. Right? Hashtag geriatric. Hashtag geriaction. Um, be like, yeah. Ever since John Wick hit, everyone's got like their they're like, oh, it's like John Wick meets this. Like, um, yeah, Bob yeah. Odenkirk did it, and nobody. Yeah. Um, I guess Tom Cruise does it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, what's his name? David Harbour's getting his bite yeah. of the apple now. There's yeah. been other movies that I can't think of, but Taken was kind of the first one, and then John Wick was like, oh no, we're going to do a Jackie Chan movie like this, and it's going to be real deal action. It's going to be dope. Which, quite frankly, let's be real, another movie I saw, god dang it, on the plane. Gotta talk about it real quick, because it does fall into it. 
Bullet Train. How is directed by the guys who did the John Wick movie? You're talking about uh, Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. I knew. I said okay. I knew there was another one. Okay. Man, our segues are so good. They're so deep <laughs> into my brain. Golly. Bullet Train, uh, directed by one of the guys that did John Wick or Deadpool two. It's Chad Stelzowski and sure. David Leach is, sure. are the two guys. It's one of them. I don't want to give credit. I'm I'm admitting I didn't pay attention. I know it's one of those guys. <laughs> I think it's Chad. Um, great movie though. Great movie. Exactly what you think it is. Um, it's kind, it's kind of. You ever seen the movie Smoke and Aces? Yes. Yeah. Very Smoke and Aces is um, by the director of The Gray. Yes. Directed the AT. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, Smoke and Aces. I'm trying to think of who the main actor is. It's um, Pivot. Yeah, Jeremy Piven. Yeah, Jeremy. It's it's like that in the sense of like, well, in Smoke and Aces, Jeremy Piven's in it. Ryan Reynolds is actually in right. it. God dang, my segues are getting good. <laughs> yeah, Ryan Reynolds is in it. <laughs> Sorry, while I toot my own horn, I give my segues seventy three Christmas Eve. <laughs> uh, oops. <laughs> now Ryan Reynolds is in Smoke and Aces. Piven, Common, um, Chris Pine. Chris Pine. First time I remember right. ever seeing him. Uh, Affleck's in it briefly. Um, there's tons of people. Um, what's the big? I'm the juggernaut, bitch. Yeah, uh, no, he, no, he's not in it, but the other big dude is. Vinny Jones is in it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, as the Butcher Brothers or whatever they right, are. Right, right, yeah. Um, but it's a lot like that. Um, in the sense of it's multiple. Alicia Keys plays a sniper in that movie. And Taraji P Henson. And Taraji P Henson has a, a, a crush on Alicia Keys. Rrr. Yeah, shout out to Taraji. Um, Anywho's, <laughs> but that was smoking aces. Yeah, was <laughs> but no, it's a lot like that in the sense we're of we're all over the place. It's all good, man. My segues are so good, they're just bam. Um, but no, it's a lot like that in the sense of it's multiple stories converging on right. one kind, not quite, but a little bit pulp fictionish, where it's like one briefcase and how it, yeah, pulp fictionish. But it's one briefcase and how it affects all these other assassins and sure. killers and ne'er do wells on this train and how they all kind of converge under this one. Is the White Devil? Or so whatever. it's like Pulp Fiction meets John Wick, is what you're saying? Uh, somewhat meets Smoking Aces. <laughs> uh, Smoking Aces is a better film okay, for it. Okay. But um, Brad Pitt is legitimately hilarious in it. But he's so laid back, and he's been doing the shit for so long now. Yeah. That like he pretty much plays like this dude who's trying to be non-confrontational, like this Buddhist. And they call him Ladybug because it's a lot like the reverse of Domino in. Um, in uh, Deadpool or just a Marvel comic book fan, right? How like luck is always on her side, right? He always has the worst. He luck. always has the worst luck. Like he won't try to kill somebody. He'll be like, "Come on, man! Like leave me alone!" And they like throw a knife at him. The knife bounces and it cuts the wire, and it will swing down and electrocute the fucking guy. And it's like <laughs> I can't, like I can't have nothing nice. Like, it's never <laughs> just easy with me. Like he walks away relatively unscathed, but everyone around him is just cool. Yeah. Take it. So it's actually. Um, a really funny movie, man. Um, I won't spoil who the big bad guy is, but there's a couple cameos in there. Sweet. Um, yeah. Sorry, that was a long way. Bullet Train. Bullet Train. <laughs> Check it out. Violent Night. Sorry to steal your thunder. On nope, it's all good. Violent Night. So we have stuff to look forward to. Okay. I am going to take a break because I've been running my flip <laughs> way too much. If you were looking for a Marcus-centric episode, sorry, but you got it. Um, we are going to take a break. Unless you want to talk Violent Night real quick. No, no, I think that pretty much covers it, man. Just David, yeah, D David Harbour uh, kicking ass as Santa Claus. It, it sounds like really campy, stupid fun. And plus, you know, 
Johnny Legs is in there, who I love. So I've already I've given already, him yeah, statues and yeah. underrated performances. Yeah. He's already in our pantheon of greats. We all know that. Him, Renner, Johnny Fabs. That's right. They're in the What's Been Watching Hall of Fame. We will be right back after a message from our sponsor, Vibranium. And we are back. Thank you for our sponsor, Vibranium. When you need to magic your science, Vibranium. It, it literally does everything. No doubt. Billy Mays here with another... Billy! <laughs> My friend Jack Beasley used to come with so much energy. He'd be so quiet in the room. He'd just explode. Billy Mays! <laughs> with a new exciting prospect. It's called crack and it's changing people's oh, lives. Yes. No doubt. No doubt. Um, so, we are here to talk about Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Always, am I catching? Michael throwing up the slew. I thought he threw up his left over right for just a second there. Sir, if the military can train me how to throw a proper salute, like, look at my salute. My 45 degree angle. Oh. It's sharp. Oh, I got shit. a sharp 45 on that. I oh. know exactly how to place that. Oh, man. I can learn how to do Wakanda forever. Always right over left. It was a sharp 45, too. My <laughs> I don't know dick about it, but I do know that. Um, well, cool. Yeah, so, yeah, Black Panther Wakanda forever, man. What'd you think? What's Well, give me the rundown, homie. I mean, quite frankly, I loved it. I A lot of that has to do with the nostalgia of finally getting to see Namor. Um, yes, who I'm now going to refer to with this accent because he is so sexy and so Latino. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. So I mean, Namor, who who arguably is one of the central uh, figures in terms of you know Marvel canon, um, uh, the one of the literal first Avengers, uh, the, the first the, the the first mutant. Sometimes foe, sometimes ally to Captain America and everything in between. Um, uh, yeah, like it, it was great to see him writ large on the on the silver screen finally and see him, I mean, absolutely beat the brakes off of everybody that he comes into contact with and be an absolute champion. And <clears throat> more than that, it was a really good... Um, it was a really good wake. It was a really good send-off for Chadwick Boseman. I think that, that was a really central part of the movie, and I think that they handled it really expertly in terms of, you know, the entire story is about grief and letting go and sort of, of at what point does grief turn to revenge or does, does what at what point does the our own ability to let go of the past cloud our judgment, you know? Um, and I think that's a, it was a really wonderfully told tale. Um, I, I do have some problems with it, which we'll get into. But overall, I mean, it was absolutely entertaining and a thrill to watch from beginning to end. I, I agree with that. Uh, again, I mean, we'll, we'll get into some of the problems. But before I even get into those, like I, I wanted to say I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I uh, agree that it was... Um, it, 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 I'll get into it a little bit, but like, I, I really did enjoy it. So before I start nitpicking anything, I want to give it the overall, like, I enjoyed the shit out of it. Yeah, movie. let's, let's talk about some things Ryan, that worked. Ryan Coogler is that dude. If you are not sure about sure. that, go watch this movie. Or I do, Creed, or, yeah, or this, uh, he did not Tigerland. What's the one I'm thinking of? The, the war movie. Um, I don't know. I know he did, um, uh, Fruitvale Station as well. 
Oh, that's also yeah, true. Yeah. 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 Um, but either way, he's an incredible. Uh, I don't. He was not in an envious position. I mean, obviously, yeah, he's going to make a lot of money from this movie, but the fact that Chadwick Boseman was the Black Panther, right, and his decision to, I mean, the fact that he passed away, obviously, rest in peace, Chadwick, and uh, you know, he was so beloved, and the character meant so much to so many people, and not just in the terms of like, oh man, like, uh, love me some some this. It's like it meant the movie itself meant so much for black culture and black cinema it was a super important yeah. movie like yeah. i'm not trying to culture vulture or anything like that but like just unarguably like it just was it was a very important movie for black cinema having a black superhero doing the numbers that it did and it didn't even get released in china and because it doesn't sell over there that's just what it is and the right. fact that it can do the numbers it did like the first black panther was a massive well undertaking. and and really set the pace for all the marvel movies that came after it in terms of like, yeah like it, it was literally Marvel recapturing the magic of Iron Man and Captain America in terms of like just a, a, a figure, a, a character that just captured the imagination of all demographics, you know, yeah. women, children, men, old, young, black, white, Hispanic, like this whole, this whole idea of, oh, we've really got something on our hands now and, and something that's going to propel us into the future as far as like, we can base entire series off of this guy and then to have that like tragically whipped ripped away in 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 real life because of the loss of Chadwick Boseman you know yeah and he he was incredible in everything i've never seen him in something and been like oh well, he missed the mark on that one like oh he was always great he yeah. was so fucking good like watch get on up or it's, 42 anything, or anything. in the name of the king he's or, so good yeah yeah, yeah. um but no, it's i said it's not an enviable position to be in for um for Ryan Coogler, who co-wrote the script and directed it. And, uh, like, I just remember how important the first Black Panther was. And I'm not going to make the whole segment about this, but I do, we do need to touch on it just so we can, so I can explain. Like a touchstone, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember watching a Target commercial, and it was um, two kids playing or whatever, and one was an African-American child and one was a white child. And I remember they were running around, and it was like, I remember the white kid put on the Black Panther mask. Yeah. And I was like... How cool it was! And maybe like I don't know. I don't think they were trying to be like that. Like I remember the 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 African American, the black kid. He put on like he had Captain America like launcher or whatever. Yeah. And then the the white kid put on the Black Panther mask. I was like, yo, I'm T'Challa. And like my whole life growing up, shout out to my friend Brandon Jones, which I'm gonna bring up a subject that I didn't want to, but Power Rangers, which rest in peace, Tommy. Also, oh yeah, my God, yeah, dude, Jason, yeah, David, Jason David, David Frank. Frank. Yeah, rest, rest in peace. peace. We got a whole thing for rest you. in Power Rangers. Rest in Power Rangers. But um, uh, Brandon Jones was a, he's a black kid, and I remember everybody's whole life was like, oh, you need to be Zach. You have to be Zach. And I remember Brandon in like kindergarten. Oh, he had to be the Black Ranger. The Black right? Ranger. You right. have to be Zach, the Black Ranger. And he, I remember him saying, like, why do I have to be the Black Ranger? Because I'm black. Like, you know, right. in so many words, as a kindergarten, like, that's fucked up. No. Like, I want to be the Red Ranger. I can be the Red Ranger. Sure. And I remember that was like such a learning moment for me. And like to see that that roles kind of flipped, where it's like the white kid was like, yo, I want to be T'Challa. It was right, like, right. It was, it was really important. Like, to have that representation of having action figures that look like you and something that crosses the medium. So to have that taken away and like the fact that T'Challa, the character means so much to so many people just cinematically and just on a very personal level. Yeah. And the fact that you have to now write around the fact that it's a bold move for the fact that he said, we are not recasting T'Challa. Right. Like we are going to do this movie without sans T'Challa and like, it doesn't mean they never will recast him or there will never be any. Sure. Other, but the 
the fact that just like we're doing this without him. For this iteration, we're we're moving beyond Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa, as T'Challa. And, and continuing the story. And the fact that they said we're going to take a movie to mourn, and I know we talked about this when they released the, the trailer yeah. a couple months back, but um, the fact that they said, "Hey, we're just going to take a movie and we're going to mourn," that is a bold fucking move. I would like to take this time to point out that one of us showed up in all white for this movie. He did not. It was, in, it was not in all white, sir. He also had a pointy hat. <laughs> <laughs> I no. thought this was the black man. <laughs> Like, no, no. <laughs> no, he did have a white t-shirt on. I um and white brand new white hat and, he did. and it wasn't pointy, it was a baseball hat. It cap. was a baseball hat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I did have a bean on the top. <laughs> I did have a Black Panther shirt and Black Panther socks on, so I was in the spirit as well. But I did Anywho's. Anyways, is what it is. But yeah, yeah, like this movie really also strike that from the record. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, go ahead, good. But the fact that this whole movie, I mean, it, it really is, it's its not just us as the audience mourning Chadwick's passing, but also the characters, you know, uh, uh, Shuri and uh, Queen Ramona and and really all of Wakanda taking time to, to move forward and sort of try to understand, like, what happens when all you have is the loss of someone and... and, and you're so used to having them in your life and so used to them being apart and then it's just gone. And like, how do you function beyond that point? And like, do you go into grief? Do you go into revenge? Do you go into self-pity? Do you go into self-protection mode or, or you know, yeah, just, just what the, is the, the next step? The, the various traumas that we all experience and how we sort of identify with that. Um, it's ultimately the, the Fleetwood Mac song, you know, the... Um... I've been afraid of changes because like I built my life around you. Yeah. You know, and it's like right. so what do I do now? It is very odd, and I'm not like a conspirator, I'm not saying it like that, but um, it is very odd that the whole theme opened of phase four in Marvel with grief and loss in WandaVision. That was right. that was the first part of phase four. And that was just and then like it's it's been a theme throughout with Spider Man losing Aunt May and Loki losing fucking everything again right, and right. Thor losing it's been a constant theme of just grief, grief loss grief. loss post loss, and, post right. uh, you know Hawkeye losing um um Natasha right uh, it's that's been the major theme and so in a weird way I'm not I'm not saying it's a blessing by any means but thematically because that happened it did fit in perfectly oh it it, it is sort of thematically perfect like in in a really weird macabre like serendipitous kind of way like just like, yeah. like like i wish it didn't have to be that way but if you're going to close out with with a whole section that's just about grief then yeah it would make sense to use something that uses real life grief real and tragedy life. in order to to just sort of be like and here's the point we've been trying to make the entire yeah. time you know yeah it, you're right i'm i wish it didn't happen that way i think we all are very curious to to read a script one day of the movie that could have been. Yes. If Chad, because I, I I don't know. I, I, this is wild speculation, but I bet that that's a hell of a movie. Oh, it's oh, I bet it's, that's it's a fucking... drastically different yeah. than what we were seeing here, but probably not too much. Just in terms of this, there's certain plot points that have to match up in terms yeah. of of you know Namor and Black Panther meeting and having their having their discussions and sort of the diplomacy of it all. You know, 
Namor comes and shows uh, Shuri his his lost world of uh, what what's it called Telecon? Tele- yeah, Telecon. Telecon, right? Which is their substitute for Atlantis, but it's Which essentially the same thing. Works beautifully. Oh yeah, it's a fucking great yeah, pivot. Yeah, yeah. Um, we talked about that on the trailer, but yeah, fucking great pivot. Uh, so yeah, so essentially we would get a lot of the same plot points, but also, but that being said, the way that they handle Shuri, spoiler alert taking over the role of the Black Panther and essentially Wakanda's protector, and not just Wakanda, but the entire world protector, and also sort of dealing with the loss of her brother and somebody that she looked up to and, like, the loss of her role model, you know, uh, the grief that she has in trying to understand, like, I have all this power. I, I live in the greatest nation in the world. I'm the smartest person, arguably, you know, on this hemisphere of the planet. And I still can't save my brother. And I still can't save my country. And I still can't save, you know, all the things that matter to me. So yeah. what the fuck am I doing? And we'll, we'll dive into it a little bit. But, like, she also resents it in a weird way. She's like, yeah. fuck your old ways. And that's why she gets a special visitor in the movie later. Because she is very much like, screw your stupid-ass ceremony. Screw this whole, like, we're trying to modernize Wakanda. And, like, here we are still holding on to this whole bullshit. And, what like, what did that get us? Right. Bunch of dead kings and, you know, family members that aren't with us anymore. It's right. a bunch of dead people that we worship. Right. Like, and literally the whole world is knocking out our door. Yeah, it's now really, yeah. Like, what the fuck are we doing, you know? Um, I'll tell you this though, man, you were talking about some of the grief, um, and the morning of, of Chadwick Boseman, you can tell, by the way, we probably should have said spoilers. Oh no, no, point, no, 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 but no. like, we told it's been out at this point. So just, we told y'all like two or three episodes ago that we were going to talk Black right. Panther and that we were going to spoil it. So if you're not an avid listener and you just got your feelings hurt because you haven't seen Black Panther, you should join the legions and go back That's retroactively right. and listen to some, some of our podcasts. We would love you to. We invite you to. Please. No anger. I take the anger out of that. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, we are going to spoil it. If you need to stop, whatever. I know it's too late now. But yeah, sure is Black Panther. But we're, uh, we were talking about the, the real life tragedy or whatever. And I'll tell you what sold me the ticket. Mm-hmm. And it was, I mean, let's be honest. I'm a show for this shit. I would have seen it anyway. Right. They could have served like shots of hot dog poop being taken and like <laughs> Black Panther 2. It's got Namor. I'd be like, hey. <laughs> but like, um, what really sold me the ticket, and again, not in real position. I was curious. What got me more than Namor being there was how are they going to handle the Black Panther situation? How are they going to ultimately, which what we know is kill the Black Panther. Like, they yeah. said that they're not recasting Chadwick Boseman. To do it with CGI, I was thinking, like, well, maybe they'll do, like, a CGI thing and you won't actually see Chadwick. It'll just be, like, a clip of the Black Panther dying. I had all these grand speculations about how they were going to do it, and I was so mad at the brilliance of the simplicity as to fucking how they solved it. I don't mean the Black Panther problem, but for lack of better words, the Black <laughs> right. Panther problem. Opening sequence, like, cold open. Like, cold open as hell. This is one of the coldest opens. Go back to episode two, um, or three, whichever it is, but uh, or cold openings. Um, on the cold open, they pretty much just tell you outright that the Black Panther has succumbed to an illness. A mysterious illness, and he's been fighting it alone by himself right. and didn't tell anybody. I got goosebumps when I just said that. Because, God damn it, that is See, the exact mirror of what happened to Chadwick Boseman. I, I, I was so... When they said that, I was like, fucking, of course. Yeah. Of yeah. course. That's exactly... It, in, in, in one hand, I, I have to admit, 
it's a little cheap and underhanded. Ah. But 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 that being said, like how else should they have handled it? You know what I mean? Like like the more information you give about like or the more backstory you give about the 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 disease or whatever it is or what have you, like it just opens up more plot holes and, and more things you have to deal with down the line. Like there's there they handled it as about as about as well as they could have. And yeah, it's a little bit a little bit cheap. But I didn't think you so. you have to you know what I mean like you 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 have to get that out of the way and address it in as few lines as possible because the more time you dedicate to the actual death I don't mean the 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 consequences and repercussions of the death but like the more time the, the more no, time you spend on actually killing the Black Panther it's just time wasted and Absolutely. and and that's not what the movie's about so yeah it's chintzy a little bit. But I don't have a better solution, so it's it's brilliant. I was like, "Fuck, of course that's the answer." Like, yeah, I was so yeah. mad at myself yeah. for not thinking of that. I mean, they literally kill him off screen in the first like opening couple lines. Right, right. Sure, he's running around trying to to synthesize synthesize some sort of yeah, some sort of cure or whatever. And literally, Queen Ramunda, uh, Angela Bassett walks in and just says, "He's with the ancestors now." And yeah. then we have the whole like, "No," yeah, a little bit. A little bit. I, I did get close to my prediction. I remember if you go back and listen to some of my predictions on the Black Panther uh, trailer, um, I was saying that I thought that they were going to use Chadwick Boseman's, or not Chadwick, uh, T'Challa's body, or um, what's his name, uh, Eric Killmonger's body, yeah. to maybe, because it is still in their DNA somewhere, mm-hmm. to um, use it to re- reignite the, uh, the heart-shaped herb uh, supply, like start the plant over again. I was close. They yeah. did use his DNA. They synthesized it. It's like they do a 3D printing of it genetically because right. because vibranium, and this is the most technologically <laughs> right. advanced. You also have to just assume Wakanda is the most technologically advanced civilization. But also that vibranium can do anything yeah. you need it to do. Ever. It's the ultimate MacGuffin. So thank you to our sponsor. <laughs> um, so yeah, so they sent. They basically synthesize a a synthetic heart shaped herb, and they use. So they don't use his actual, but they use the imprint of his DNA right. as the blueprint to see if it is going to work or not. So I was this close. Right. But I knew right. like they're going to use his DNA for something about it. And he was, they were cross-referencing. They were like, all right, and use it against my brother's DNA. And then they finally lit up green and they synthesized it. Right. That's, right. Way, that's way farther down the movie. But um, yeah, so I was close. But um, yeah, man. Uh, so um, we talked about what sold me the ticket. What sold you the ticket, man? I mean, honestly, was it Namor? It, it was Namor. <laughs> it was Namor. I'm not gonna lie. Like, I'm, a, I'm a complete comic book geek, and to see, you know, like I said, to see somebody who is that ingrained into the Marvel history brought to the big screen for the first time, and in a new, really fascinating way. Yeah. You know, like the 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 the, the Namor of of Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, is not the same Namor of. The Avengers, the Defenders, you know, the the Jack yeah. Kirby um, at all, but it works. And and to me, they're it's essentially the same character, but with a different history. And that's okay because they still get the the basics of the character right. They still get the the, the same um, the same regency, the same agency, the same drive, the same. Um, I think I know what you're saying. Everything that when I. Like, like everything that makes Namor, Namor on the page yeah. is what transferred onto the screen. Yeah, exactly. It's like when I think of Tony Stark, you have 
in order for him to be the character of Tony, you have to check certain boxes. Right. He's arrogant. He's this. He's a playboy. Right. He's a philanthropist. Right. He's can't get out of his own way. He's as as much as a futurist as he is. He's also incredibly short sighted because right. he knows he's right and he's waiting for everybody else to catch up. So, so them pivoting to an ancient, you know, Mayan or you know Central American, South American civilization takes nothing away from the character right. memoir right. at all. Right. right. At all. Like the arrogance he has. The he's kind of a dick in the comics constantly and. His name, which I thought was really creative, I, I liked it. Um, they call him uh, Nino Sin Amor. Nino Sin Amor. And that is the, the child without love. Right. And so he takes Namor. Yeah, Namor. Yeah, Namor from that. Because so, he is Spanish and he is... He has no love. He has no love within his heart. Yeah. He's black inside. Like Michael, the deepest of the oceans. Michael's really digging this impression. <laughs> I like how it's, it's not an impression of Namor, it's an impression of a Spanish person talking about Namor. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't noticed that subtlety there? <laughs> it's somebody who's very articulate and likes to talk about Namor. I keep the legend of Mr. Namor. There's passions within my heart. For the Namor. For the Namors. Exactly. Anyways, <laughs> uh, check that. Michael does an impression. Um, so, Racist question mark? <laughs> yeah, 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 you know. Well, we won't cross that out. Um, so yeah, so he's the child without love. And so they really check that of like, he really doesn't have any love for the surface world. Very much so like a certain other DC character, um, mm -hmm. mother was of the, of the land or whatever. And then, uh, yeah. Well, you want to tell the backstory of the more in the movie or what was it again? It's, um, uh... I mean, basically his, his Mesoamerican, his, his Mesoamerican tribe his mother's pregnant. They're being driven by the conquistadors and their, their shaman finds, um, just like in Wakanda, they have the heart shaped herb that grew out of, of, uh, vi a vibranium meteorite. They find one under the sea and they eat it and it turns them into fish people. And now they can breathe underwater and they establish the city of Tecolan or Tecolan. Tecolan. Yeah, Tecolan. Tecolan. Yeah. Um, so basically the Atlantis sub, uh, 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 stand-in and he is born immediately afterwards and as the first mutant he is born which they do say he he is legitimately the first mutant uh he is born with winged feet little ankle winglets ankle winglets ankle winglets and uh the ability to breathe both air and water and super strength and speed and charisma and He's basically the perfect D and D character. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Um, so yeah, it's so ultimately what happens is he decides his mother dies or whatever uh, after birth, and he goes back up to the surface world to bury him, and he sees like these conquistadors just with people in chains, they're burning buildings and this and that and the third, and he just floats up and he's just like and they just wreck shop. Yeah, on these conquistadors and at so, like eight years old. Basically. Yeah, like eight years old, he rides, which is a dope scene. Yeah, like, the conquistadors look at him, they got the rifles and stuff, and he just hovers up. And kind of raises his arms and is like, oh, right. shit. Because he wants to, his mother missed the surface world. So she's like, bury me on the surface world when I pass. So. But the cool part is, and this is what the difference is, um, they, there's a big pivotal scene in the movie where they're talking to our underrated performance of the week. Mr. Winston Duke himself, M'Baku, the man is brilliant. His this. name is Kukukan. Yes. That's a good impression, actually. <laughs> um, and that is the the feathered serpent god. That's right. So and he he breaks down to them. He's like, you understand that if, if these Namorian people, which we haven't Atlanteans, Telecons, whatever, yeah. Sorry. 
Nemori. Jeez, that's the cousin Nemorita. So <laughs> if these um if these Tolokan people, which all we haven't talked about the MacGuffin as to why they're about to do what I'm about to say, but we will. Um, if they come to wage war on Wakanda, like this guy is not their king. Right. He is not like their emperor, their, emperor. their priest. There. He's not just some dude like El Presidente. He is a god. Right. To them, and they are like. Yeah, it, it's it's tough, man. So I mean, like, at this point, he's six hundred years old. He's invincible. He's you fight for the glory of Wakanda to protect it. They fight for, for him. him. Right? Like, do you understand the difference in that? Right. Right. Like, right. Right. It's ugh, it's tough, man. It's tough sledding. So, um, but yeah, he's cool, cool con. Um, so basically, N- Namor is concerned that the surface world is finding uh, vibranium because apparently. The world believes that that all of all of the the world supply of vibranium is in Wakanda. We find out that that's not true. There might be some under the sea. They're exploring, and he basically rises and tries to formulate an alliance with Wakanda, basically saying, "You're either with me or you're against me. I'm going to take on the world and crush them before they come for my um, become before they come for my resources and land because." That is the way of the world. It's all conquistadors and conquerors, and I would I know which one I want to be. Yeah, pretty much. The MacGuffin that gets them there, though, and I, I have no problem. Like I have no problem with the actress or anything like that. It was her take on it, but like introduce Riri Williams. Uh, right. She is a brilliant, brilliant mind at like fourteen years old. Like went to MIT. Very the young Tony Stark, pretty much, and um, she's going to be, as you can tell, just like in the comic books the replacement for Iron Man. So it's Ironheart. She builds a machine in like shop class or whatever that can ultimately detect vibranium. Right. Anywhere. And so the Americans get a hold of it and what what do they do? They start to find vibranium in the world. And the um Tolokans, they ultimately see this machine. They see a giant vessel that's finding this. They go up there and they kill everybody on board. Right. They stab the siren song that they sing and it makes sailors jump to their death. And Which they, is a dope scene. It's a like dope it, scene. It, bring in the mythology of the sirens and mermaids and stuff yep. like that. I mean, it, it's all based on um, essentially, you know, sound technology, which is what yep. all of Wakanda is based off as well. Yep. So, yeah. Yep. So they pretty much go and they kill everyone on board. And ultimately, the outside world, it's very much so. Um, well, I'm not, I'm going to dodge this one. The outside world is looking for a reason to go into Wakanda and steal the resources. Right. One of the earliest scenes in the movies is um, uh, Princess Ramonda, Angela Bassett, sitting in front of the UN and being like, hey, you guys are knocking on our door. Like, you think we don't hear you, but we know. And while she's sitting there having this speech, uh, it kind of, it's kind of showing simultaneously this group of soldiers that are trying to break into a Wakandan vault to steal vibranium. Mm-hmm. And they get handled by the Dora Milaje quite effectively. Which is this, what they do. That's their right. whole thing. Right. They step out of the safe that they're thinking. They break into the <laughs> safe, and all of a sudden, you just see like four women come out with these spears, and they're like, "Ah, oh, shit!" <laughs> so they parade these people in front of the UN, being like, "You motherfuckers are trying to steal from us. We've offered to share our technologies, not outright give it to you. Right. But um, right. any right. further aggression by any other attempts will be treated as an act of aggression." So, all that being said, when the when the Talosian people, Namor's people, come and kill everyone on the boat. Everyone in the world's like, yo, this is our chance to go do it. Right. So right. it's peril in Wakanda because now you've got really what happens is they go to meet Riri Williams, who built the sonar machine that detects the uh, the vibranium or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
And it's weird. They kind of use her as the original MacGuffin of like, oh, we got to get to her before they do. And it's like, there's a weird pivot in the movie where it's yeah, like... Yeah, it all of a sudden becomes like a political intrigue or something like that where where it's, it's all about like, well, we have to we have to join forces and, and the conflict of like differential ideas and stuff like that. And, yeah. and all of a sudden Riri just takes a complete backseat and like, she doesn't matter anymore. Like literally the, the Talotians have her in the, in the kingdom, like, like have her in, in prison. And they're just like, well, you just stay here. We're going to take Shuri with us now. No, no, they, Shuri goes with them. Um, but either, but it's a weird pivot because they, they learn about this machine, the, the Telotians or whatever, and they're like, oh, well, we're going to destroy the machine and we're also going to kill the scientist. So who is the scientist? And they find out it's Riri Williams. Mm-hmm. Wakanda's like, hang on, we're not going to let you kill this girl once they learn that it was, you know, she's like, I think she's 19 in the movie. Something like that. Whatever. Um, uh, Chicago, out of Chicago, whatever, is going to MIT. So they kind of intervene and that's kind of what puts them at the cross point is this MacGuffin of Riri Williams. And it's, it pivots because it's Riri Williams, okay, we're going to kill her. And all of a sudden, they break out of Solution. And then it's like, oh, no, now we're going to destroy Wakanda. And it's like, Wait, what? <laughs> right, right, it, right. I knew that it had to happen to come to that point. Of course. There, there has to be some sort of turn to make Namor bring his entire army against the army of Wakanda. So because it's essentially a, a war of nations and ideals. But it does happen. It pivots very quickly. Really quickly. And, and sort of in, like, the weirdest, most awkward, like, sequence of events like they're trying to kill riri and so they accidentally kill one of the atlanteans and that's the thing that triggers namor where it's like well but you just kidnaps like everybody so what the like what are we supposed to do like yeah it's it pivots kind of quickly and that it gets a little muddy there they're just trying to find a reason uh for them to get to the third act really right right or the the mid act or whatever um (laughs) But it's dope, though. I, I said something when we were talking in the theater and um, after the movie ended because everybody else bailed and we sat there because that's what Michael and I do. We <laughs> pretend to learn the names that are on the credits. That's all they do. <laughs> Just sit there and watch their names go across the screen. But I said something. I don't usually talk like this, but I said, I loved the movie, but it suffered under the weight of its own necessity. And the fact that it had to do certain things, it, it juggled a lot in terms of, uh, that was really just a fancy way of saying it had a lot in the air. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah. It needed to to wrap up the Chadwick Boseman thing. It, Agreed. It had to. That's the whole point of the movie. Right, right. It has to introduce Namor. Yep. It has to show us the state of Wakanda in its end, uh, right. that it's currently in, and build a threat, which would be Talakan. That's four things. Right. We have to introduce a new Black Panther. Yep. And we have to find resolution at the end. And yep. there's some other twists and turns. That and, then, and then another almost... character, pair, uh, spoilers, we said we're going to do it. Queen Ramonda dies in it. Right. And but then also they bring in the whole... Riri Williams. Yeah, they bring thing. in Riri Williams. They bring in the whole thing between Everett Ross and um, Val, the, the the new leader of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. We, yeah. you know, There's a whole backstory where we find out that they've been married at one point and they have this whole relationship and she's tracking him and he's trying not to let Everybody at Shield know that he's, you know, basically a Wakandan ambassador at this point. Pretty much. Um, so yeah, I I think it just it had a lot of plate spinning and some of them kind of unnecessarily. Like not, I, I understand that that you there's certain elements you have to you introduce. Like like you said, you have to introduce new Black Panther. You have to introduce the threat of Namor and the Atlanteans. And you have the Chadwick. You have to wrap up Chadwick Boseman. Like at least address it. Right. You know. Um, but I think that they kept a lot of those plates spinning unnecessarily. 
during during the, the movie there's certain points where you could have they sort of could have like just set that plot line down and moved on to something else and it would have been just fine but they kept trying to reference it and come back so um i i agree with that i'll say this though all that being said the movie in the wrong hands with all of those going on like yeah. oh it would have been horrible oh no in the wrong hands oh god this movie could have been an absolute disaster yeah yeah and yeah. it is to me a testament of ryan coogler's ability as a filmmaker because oh, yeah. he did all of that and still made it really really emotionally poignant yeah. like, oh oh yeah it's it's such a great touching movie um, oh yeah we didn't even talk about homegirl's expulsion from the dora milaje oh oh uh, the, the, it's, it's so Guerrero, much like yeah. like everybody loses everything in this i mean from the opening sequence like when they're when they're running the the marvel credits and they, they have the comic books flipping through it's all Chad it's Lewis. it's all Chad and Boseman. I cried. And, and don't act like you but they, but they but they're not they don't run any music over it like it's just total somber. silence just somber just showing him in all his glory as they flip through the Marvel credits and I mean I clapped I I, I absolutely like that's that's the way you do that that's the way you you start off a movie like this by just being like we're gonna bring it down to this level immediately. So that by the time we bring in Namor and the, and the whole threat of Wakanda, you've already been on this emotional roller coaster and, and felt the entire rainbow of emotions. And then we're going to finish it on a really good note, send everybody home happy, and thank you, Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that was perfectly put, man. Yeah. It was, I forgot about that, the opening sequence with Chadwick Boseman behind the scenes laughing and smiling and then mm -hmm. just him being badasses. I can see you guys. You can see I am not dead, right. and I have not yielded. Yeah, it's like all that shit, man. Um, yeah, it's a fucking. Now that you say it, it really did, man. It, it ran the whole gamut of emotions. And like I said, in a lesser filmmaker's hand, it could have been dog shit. But the fact that it's even, in, in my opinion, uh, I guess I'll get to the review part. We, we can talk about it more if we want, but like just for the sake of conversation, in my opinion, that they can do all of that. Still have the admittedly some of the flaws that it has, mm -hmm. but the good parts outweigh what, in my opinion, what the flaws were on such a level. I think this is not top tier Marvel. I think there's about five five movies or so. Sure. But this is what I would call the gatekeeper of top tier. It's like the highest B plus A minus you can possibly get, in my opinion, without being taking that next step into the echelon of absolute greatness. Like, oh yeah, this is this it is, is a lot and it, it suffers a little bit of Iron Man 2 syndrome and they kind of shotgun blast you with a lot of shit. Like, right, oh, right, right. This it, is it, the Iron Man 2 of phase. It, it is a lot to take in like all at once and especially for it being as, I mean, it's, it's like a two hour and 40 minutes or something like that. It's pretty lengthy, yeah. So You feel it a little bit. It, for sure, for sure. But it, it, to their credit, it, it, the second it starts to slow down, they, they do tend to pick up the pace a lot. But Again, that's that's sort of it's it's weighed down by the by the weight of its own moving parts. Like it just it, it's constantly new information, constantly bringing in like, okay, so now I have to understand the history of of Atlanteans, and here's Namor's backstory, and here's the introduction to Riri Williams, yeah. and here's that of that. Like it's just constant influx of information. So, um, but that being said. They tie it all together very well, and it's beautifully done, and it's it's a very rich world. Like, like yeah. um, it's 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 both fantastic and believable in a weird sense. Yeah, like, in terms of, of the human the the emotional aspect is very human. I would think, like the in terms of the 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 emotions in which the characters are going through, sure, it's incredibly human. 
Incredible. Sure, but but once you start going under the you know under the sea and, and seeing how Atlantis works and and how they use you know like sea currents and 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 sonic technology to open stone gates and stuff like that or or bioluminescence from animal from animals animals, from animals um, you know it, it it's it it really is this this very rich involved world that kind of leaves you wanting to see more. So it's fantastic in that sense, but then they ground it in this very real human emotion, this very real human story. So it's 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 very wonderfully done. Yeah. No, absolutely, man. Um, I, ultimately, as Shuri does become the Black Panther, we talked about that earlier, in the final fight is Shuri versus Namor, which they it's a pretty badass fight. Um, but ultimately, what kind of saves one from killing the other and you, if you paid any attention or ever watched a movie in your life before, they show you all the parallels. Mm-hmm. Of like they, you're, they have their little. It looks like they throw a Hadouken in a <laughs> uh, Telecon, and then in Wakanda they have the right over left noise, you know. And like, but in Telecon it's a little Hadouken or whatever. You know? So they got like all these similarities, and they show and like right before you know Black Panther is about to defeat Namor. Um, it kind of shows you, it takes the time to actually show like the real of it. Like, hey, look, they're the same. We're one and the same. And it's right. like, it's really on the nose, but it's right. necessary because some people, there are probably some people in the world that didn't get that until they saw that. Right, right, and right. Like, okay. There's a little montage of them yeah. like, for those who haven't the... gotten it yet. Right, right. Yeah. Here's, here's all of Wakanda going to the market. And look, oh, the Atlanteans have Do the market same thing. too. And yeah. oh, here's children playing. And oh, man, our kids play as well. Yeah. How about that? You know? So. But there's a lot of parallels in it. Um, I will say, uh, without talking about it too much, uh, there is an appearance from one Michael B. Jordan in it. I mean, we can just go and talk about it. Yeah, I go mean, ahead with it. I, I mean, I know we're running a little lengthy, but we're good. It's all right. Um, yeah. So, as previously shown in the in the Black Panther movie, once you assume the the mantle of Black Panther, you go to the ancestral plane. You sort of get sage advice or sort of you know or you know it's like going to see the oracle like yeah, what, yeah, like like yeah. what kind of leader will i be and, and you meet you know whoever is your your patron or whoever is, is your guide or whatever and shuri goes under the heart-shaped herb and goes to the ancestral plane and meets killmonger and yep. i didn't see it coming until maybe about 60 seconds before it happened like once she went under I started having the thought of like, they're not going to show Chadwick. Who are they going to go? Oh my God, they're going to go to fucking Killmonger. Yeah. And then having that really weird pivot where they, it's it, it's it's a callback to a shot in Black Panther where Killmonger assumes the throne and everything's upside down. And then they open on that shot of the throne upside down it, yeah. and flip it around. And you see him sort of like lounging in the chair, all like, you know, what's Hugh, up, cousin? Yeah, like Hugh Hefner said, or something. What's up, baby yeah. cousin? What's up, baby cousin? It was such a thrill to see her. And it makes it makes so much sense because that would be Shuri's guy. Because at this point, she's been driven by vengeance and anger and righteous hatred of everything around her, which is exactly the same thing that fueled Killmonger. Yeah. So of course, that would be his. That would be her guide in order to show her that, you know. I had. We're very similar. Here's how you not do it the way that I did it. Yeah, and it's also he. He kind of talks shit. He's like, "You don't you say anything about T'Challa." He's like, "He was too noble." Right. He was. And that's and, who got his ass right. killed. And T'Chaka was a coward. And, and T'Chaka and, was a coward and, who, who was a murderer who killed my own father. Right. And this person before him was this. 
He's like, now are you going to be one of them or are you going to be the Black Panther like me to get shit done? And he's like, he's like, you were a murderer. He's like, no. In one day, I flipped your whole society over and was willing to go wage war on the world. Like, right. I was ready to get shit done. Right. Like, right. yeah, you stopped me, but the motivation was there. So, like, are you going to be the one that sits around and is no, or are you going to get shit done? And it kind of fuels her to almost kill Namor. The scene that got me, though, is when her other spiritual successor came in. We mentioned Queen Ramonda died. When she came down from her ancestor plane, you hear it in the background. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. When she says to Shuri, show them who you are. Yeah. And she shows mercy to Namor. I was like, fuck. That is, now I get why you killed Ramonda. Which, by the way. Which was a lot. I was like, do you kill Ramonda too in this one? Which, too? by the way, Angela Bassett, if she does not get nominated for some sort of like, not just one of our statues, but like a real life actual statue. Again, we, we hold the standard. <laughs> but man, just, she is in probably three scenes the entire movie, but she conquers all. All of them. Oh, she yeah. is phenomenal to watch. I mean, captivating to the letter, you know, like cannot take your eyes off of her on screen and commands presence and her voice and her tenor and the way she brings emotion just in the inflection in her voice is really, really a master class on how to bring so many emotions. I mean, yeah. there, there's one where she's screaming at, at the UN. There's one where she has a very intimate you know, she, like she kicks the Guerrera out of the uh, uh, the, the Dormage. Right, right. What? Right. I was like, damn. But then she has this really intimate, like really close, quiet scene with Shuri on on the riverbank, where she talks about letting go, and like she talks about her process, how she would just come down to the river and just not leave until she felt peace. You right. know, and and yeah, like she she literally throws all these different emotions at it and it's so good and and just seeing her her face crinkle with with yeah. excitement and anger and and love and and I mean it, it, just the, the the smallest inflection of her eyebrow and it says so much so yeah she's real dealing it she's she got her groove back for this one <laughs> I see what you've done there yeah no she uh, everything you said plus one yeah no she is the shit man um I also did like, and I almost welled up a little bit during this because he means so much to me. Uh, we haven't talked about her too much, but uh, Ironheart, mm -hmm. she has her own Tony Stark moment mm -hmm. when she when he first gets in the suit, the silver one, and he flies and he's checking the freeze point or whatever, and then he tumbles back to Earth and he's like, "I'm flying dead stick" or whatever, and you see him inside the and he's plummeting to Earth as Iron Man and he cranks it back on at the last second. She goes up to the point where oxygen is running out. And she kind of has her own thing where it's like she has to stop this uh, this drone. This drone so she right. flies all the way up, and she's she's like the, one of the smartest beings on the planet that we've met so far. Like so so much so that Shuri was impressed with her. Like it's like that. So she figures out this trajectory where this thing is going to be, and she flies all the way up as high as she can, shoots the drone down, and then plummets to Earth, just like Iron Man. And at the last second, her suit kicks back in, and she. Right. It's all about the callback, baby. I got goosebumps just saying that. I was like, but but then on top of it, to to to, she not only knocks the drone out of the sky, but she worked out the trajectory to where once she shot it out of the sky, it fell on the shield agents that yep. were blocking the bridge, which is even better than Tony Stark did. Yeah. So, yeah. so I say all that because, as you well know, I'm a huge Tony Stark fan. We both are. I think we think Iron Man One is a perfect movie. It is. But um, I'll fight you. Yeah. But for real. The mantle of Iron Man is in good hands. Yes. Um, so far, at least. I mean, they have plenty of time to screw it up. 
as long as you don't expect her to be just like Tony Stark, like let her do her own thing, I think we're all going to be in a good place because you got to let RDJ. No one's going to bring RDJ back. Oh, no, no, no. But, no. I mean, um, maybe a dump truck full of money, yeah. but he's eighteen. <laughs> like literally, if you could ever work for Marvel ever, we're going to put you in a movie. But um, yeah, she. I, I enjoyed Iron Heart a lot. Uh, her character is a little bit abrasive. It's when I've read her in the comic books before. I didn't quite get the transition. It wasn't how I read her in, in my voice in the mm, comics. She's right. a little bit more abrasive. Uh, but again, it all depends on the writer. They took a very specific iteration of her um, yes. from the yeah. book, which works. It, it, I can't say, oh, the character is not like she does. This. She does tend to be the, the stereotypical, like, headstrong teenager. Like, well, you can't tell me. And it's just like sometimes, like, hey, shut up, okay? Yeah. I'm the Black Panther. I'm fucking telling you how to do this. Trust me. This is how it's going to be, you know? Yeah. yeah. She's almost too smart for her own good, so. Yeah. Or yeah. too headstrong for her too own headstrong good, I would say. Too headstrong for yeah. good, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think anything else you want to talk about Black Panther-wise? Well, we talked about Riri, uh, Iron Man being in good hands, talked about Namor. That actor, Tena Cuerta or whatever, yes. knocks it out of the fucking park. Wow. Yeah, that dude crushes it. Anything else, man? Um, doggy style? That's okay, cool. On that note, uh, I'm going <laughs> to take it a little bit serious here real quick. Um, recently we lost, uh, the Power Ranger himself. We mentioned it earlier. Mm -hmm. What's his name? Jason, Jason David Frank. Frank. Yep. Okay. Um, Tommy Oliver himself, man with that. And we're talking about Chadwick Boseman. I heard a quote the other day and I just want to share it with oh, you. Oh, and also Kevin Conroy. Oh, Kevin Conroy. That was our three. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin Conroy. We lost. I, we, yeah. We, we can't get into that because we're yeah. going to, it's going to be too long, but we, we lost some good ones. We lost, uh, some, some real ones. Some, yeah. Um, Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman, the animated series. When we read Batman books here, what you've been watching, that's In the that voice here. Yep. So, 100%. Um, I heard a quote the other day. Um, not trying to leave it on this note. Michael, you know, I love you very much. But it says, uh, don't let tragedy be the reason you remember to be grateful. So, go watch a movie. And talk about it with somebody that you love. Out. Oh.